11 and Fox 30. Now Action Sports Jax is on your radio. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jar and Levine Studios, here's your host, Brent Martineau. We will have a Jags quarterback on the show today. Have the tease. UNF Ospreys winning the A-Sun. Congratulations to them. They move on to the semis on Thursday. Florida State basketball tonight in action. JU season is over. Uh, Gators play tomorrow night in hoops. And how about a little Florida State football talk today? We'll go to Tallahassee, uh, have someone entrenched, embedded, good word, uh, in uh, Tallahassee with some Florida State football as they continue uh, spring practice here. It just got rolling on Monday. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Justin Kuzart, Kuz, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Same old, man. You know what's up? Just uh, doing the whole training camp thing. So got a nice workout this morning. Uh, ended up doing some mitt work and then went to the YMCA and got a little lift in. Ended up getting some sprints in as well. So cardio feels good. Strength feels good. And the most important thing is I'm healthy. Hashtag humble brag uh, humble for brag. the amount of workout you just got in. But, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning. We re- really haven't pumped it up. And this thing's sneaking up on us. Like the Players' Championship to me is sneaking up. True. We're not used to this. Like I'm not used to this. If you've been here more than 12 years, you might be used to it. But the Players in March doesn't exist for me until this year. So my mental clock is all screwed up. I went to the Combine for the first time ever. That helped screw it up. <laughs> and the temperature outside is like 50 degrees. So it doesn't feel like golf weather right now. It doesn't, but I actually enjoy this kind of weather. No, the so. weather's fine. Yeah, I, don't yeah, mind. Yeah. I don't mind the chill in the air, mm-hmm. and, and that's okay, but it just doesn't but feel it like... But it does kind of throw you off a little bit. Yeah, so mentally I'm a mess right now is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> um, and by the way, we'll have a little therapy later in the show. I need it. I need to get something out, but uh, but that's later. So I just, I really <laughs> just a wait. mess. Just a giant mess on a Tuesday here in March. But the players is next week, man. I mean, yeah. a week from today, they'll... I mean, everybody will be out there for practice rounds and everything else. But then I was thinking, like, hey, we haven't really even talked about Austin's fight coming up. March 16th, we got to promote this thing. we got to push this thing. Trying, yep. Combat I mean, night. And Getting for a you, good crew. I, I'm bringing a crew, I think. Solid, oh, man. Watch out, man. They big drink heavy. Yeah, I know. Maybe I don't want to be we'll associated with you. We'll okay. cheer you on. Okay. Will, uh, you, will you have Mr. Uh, blank Austin shirts? Ah, ah, maybe maybe we'll work on some short shirts <laughs> for you. It doesn't really blank. rhyme, but <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to figure out something. We'll get some shirts or something going. Yep, he's gonna be stopped at the door. By the way, I offered a shirt up. I offered a shirt on Twitter if you could come up and nail the the exact parameters of Foles' deal if it happens in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Got a ton of response. It's amazing how people just want a free people shirt. Want the free stuff, man? Free shirt for people. Can't turn is it like, down. I mean, it's like you just got handed five hundred dollars. So, is it an ESPN six ninety shirt or I don't one? Know, because I, I don't have, I don't have one. Okay, so you're you're just kind of making up stuff as you go along here. Well, yeah, I'm gonna have to go gotta... buy it until until Kuz shares. I know with me. Yeah, or I lose all the items I'm given. The or, only one I have is the bottle opener. Or boss man, keys. or boss man, Nick puts an order in for shirts. Yeah. I'm just going to have to make my own up, go to, like, the mall, and it might be tie-dyed for you. Kuz is, is like the Pablo Escobar right now, VSPN 690 merch, and he refused to share any of it with anybody. Ridiculous. But I was thinking, um, is it kind of weird and and a little silly if we put our show logo, like the, the caricatures of no, us on a I'm shirt? Not, I'm not mad at that. Hey, would you put it on the front or the back? You have to go the front. You, think, you do right? the front? Yeah. Well, for me, it's the front because obviously my hair hangs out in the back and can cover uh, it up. Yeah. So that's why I said the front. Oh, you but just made a decision. To each their own. Nice job. Executive decision made. There you go. You got to do like the pocket 
You know, like right right where the pocket would be on some shirts. I know, That's like the new trend. But but mm. so you, but wouldn't the caricature thing, like our small, show logo, right? be a little small for that? I guess it would be. It might be, and it might look weird if it's just like this, <laughs> this big circle right on the left side of your chest. I mean, I want to go into Walmart and just see somebody wearing my face on their shirt. That'd be weird. I feel like if it's like the cartoon one, I think it should just be the whole back of the shirt, honestly. See, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the the, the caricature. I mean, it's yeah. the front the of the back. shirt, too. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe like small ESPN 6 or action sports jacks on ESPN 690, small one on there, and then the whole back is just the, the cartoon of yeah. you guys. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Whatever. Screw your hair. Get it okay. cut. Uh, that's not going to happen, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's uh, You're asking a lot of me there, Brent. I was once offered $30,000 to cut it. I said no. So. Did you really? Yeah. What would Give be us, the number? Uh, don't stop there. Tell us more of the story. Uh, this would have been my second year in Jacksonville, and uh, a few players on the team, not going to name any names, Pot Roast was one of them, <clears throat> Pot Roast and uh, Mincy, uh, they offered to kind of throw a pool in together and get everybody to get you know, basically throw some money in to get me to shave my head because they're curious to see what my head looked like shaving. And I said, absolutely not. And wow. I'm pretty sure the pot got to like 30 grand. Wow. And I said, no, there's no way. I'm telling you, man, as a rookie, that's like, that's pretty good to it's, not be able to fall hey, on that. It's good for anybody. It's <laughs> $30,000, man. I'm pretty sure I would do a lot of things, like a lot of weird things for $30,000. Oh, I'm sure you would, Coos. Well, you were just at, you were said the other day. Would you would you have Austin knock you out? Don't tell us what this was in relation to. Oh yeah. But uh, the what what would you have Austin knock you out for twenty grand? Like, I, would you take? The I punch? probably would let you knock me out for twenty grand. I mean, I I, I can do it for free if you keep talking smack <laughs> about Spider Man. You just tell me when, man. Oh no, it's see, see, there's got to be money involved. I got to be waking up to a stack or something. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so we got we have to get some shirts though. But we had a ton of reaction, and I'll, I'm going to save them because I want to see next week uh, if this thing gets done. Uh, which I continue to say about. Did you see USA Today come out last night? Say all the reports of this a bit premature. Oh, um, kind of like I told on, you yesterday. Get off the fence, man. But uh, I'm not on the fence. I'm You're telling you, it's fence. not done. I'm telling you that. It's not done. You're on the fence. So if it happens, uh, we'll have all these responses um, and, and and see where it goes from there. But shirts do need to be made. We're, we're work, we've got to work on that. Just give me something. I mean, a coffee mug, a pen, something. So back to really your fight. I want oh, to promote okay. the fight a little bit. Are you ready? Are you getting, See, what, what's happened to me in the timing of this thing, you talked about it a bit. You know, as we were starting this venture, mm -hmm. but then the contract doesn't get signed until like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So then they don't start promoting it, and then bam, all of a sudden the event's here. So it didn't yeah. feel like you knew four months in advance, even though you kind of did. Yeah. Like we all didn't mm -hmm. for sure. And now you're 11 days away from it, so yeah. you feel good. You look good. You've been working out. I yeah. mean, I just want to make sure you're ready. I mean, the well, ice guy is going to be ready. Well, it's funny. I was actually talking to Nick, our boss, before you got in here, and he kind of came up to me. He's like, "Dude, it's kind of weird because like you go train in the morning." Then you come in here and you train like at night. He's like, is that hard to turn on and turn off? You know, because obviously when I'm training in the morning, I'm training at night. I mean, that requires a lot of physical skill and it's a lot of testosterone, a lot of, you know, in your face kind of stuff. And I told him, and this is, it's honest to God truth. This is almost like a blessing to me coming in here for three hours and just talking sports because it allows me to decompress a little bit. You know, it kind of allows me to taper off a little bit. So obviously in the morning I'll go train um, and then I start to study for the show and, you know, research some things. I come in here. It's just three hours of, you know, laughing and just having fun, and then I go train again. So it's 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 kind of a nice, you know, you start off 
uh, I guess you start off intense and you kind of taper off and go to the show and then you finish intense. Well, so you're damn straight. You're damn straight. It's a blessing because yeah. we uh, we obviously acknowledge that too. We're yet to give you a paycheck. I know. Yeah, no, it's all good, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's right now it's kind of like an internship. I feel like I'm doing a really long internship. So. Probation. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Nick asked that question to you, but I've kind of thought about that too. In, in that world, you have to be so intense. We talked about this in between the lines. I, I always I always look at like Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson's a cool dude. Like he's in and you can see he's got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an edge to him, even in the locker room or outside the football field. Mm-hmm. But I really think he flips a switch like it's a little like I've seen him mic'd up before. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him in a game before. Like it's a different switch. Like yeah. it's a noticeable switch. I think Paul Puzlozny has that. Had oh, that without too. a doubt. And you have to be able to do that. But I, I marvel at that to be able to go from you know, zero to 180 mm-hmm. that quick and, and for a three-hour stretch and then be able to turn it off, I think is is unbelievable. But I've actually wondered that about you, too. Like, now don't don't get this wrong. No. But I don't think you're that nice of a guy. But, <laughs> but I almost feel like you, Thanks, man. I almost feel like you're, you're, you might be too nice to well, fight. Like, no, see, hey, that's what I'm saying. Like, are you too nice no. to be good at, well, at MMA? Brent, I mean, you, you've covered me on the field, too, a little bit, man. And, and that's the thing I always take pride in is when it comes to, you know, crossing the white lines, I, I, I used to always say, or going in the cage or even going to MMA practice, there's something different. You know, there's a flip that is uh, a switch that is flipped. Um, you've, you've, you've even said it yourself. You said it here a couple times when Coos was talking about Spider-Man, and I kind of perked up a little bit, and I got a little upset. No, you've threatened us multiple yeah. times. So, I mean, I, I, and, that's uh, why I hedged a little bit on the nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure if you remember we're playing darts and everything like that. I was I was also a little uh, ultra competitive when we're playing darts in Atlanta for Super Bowl weekend as well. So um, I definitely do flip a switch, uh, and I'm sure it is scary for some people because listen, what, like if I go in that cage or if I'm getting ready to, to go in the cage and I'm backstage, I mean there's it's a completely different person. I've had multiple teammates, I've had multiple um, teammates in football and MMA tell me that. So. It's just something that I've always been like. I feel like um, if I was to maintain that intensity outside the cage or outside the field, it'd be exhausting. Yeah. You know, and, and you find, especially in the fight game, there's a lot of guys that can't turn it off, and they kind of, you know, they encounter some problems and whatnot in their social life. So, what, when it comes to being outside the cage or being outside MMA practice, I'm a super laid back, chill kind of guy. That's the way I've, uh, I've always been raised and everything like that. But don't get it twisted. There is uh, there is an, another side to me. Um, I don't want to say like I'm a sociopath or anything, but there's definitely is another side to me. Yeah, watch out. Uh, watch out if you're in a football field, in a cage, at the cock house, or in a mosh pit. <laughs> Fair enough. No, man, it, 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 if I see something in the mosh pit, it's all love, man. It's all love. I, I, I don't go in there looking hurt anybody. Uh, one last thing. You're here since yeah. it started the conversation sure. a little bit. Can that be used against you? In a in in MMA fight. That's a great question. It actually was used against me. My third amateur fight, where a gentleman actually pulled the dread out, and I saw it fall on the ground, and actually really like it, it, it ticked me off. I bet. So yeah, so because I, I can feel it. Obviously, I mean, you have so much adrenaline going through you in a fight, but you can still feel pain. Obviously, so I, I felt the dread get ripped out. Didn't feel good, and that kind of ticked me off. So instead of sticking to a game plan, just kind of went right at him and said, "Screw this! I'm just gonna try to knock him out," which thankfully I did. So I had to actually cut my hair a little bit. Um, for free, unfortunately, you know, I cut it for free, but, uh, like the way I have it set up now is I have it tied back pretty well. Um, and it's kind of like, in a in a bun or whatever like that. So it's, it's hard to get a grab of well, $30,000 to cut your hair. I'm trying to think what part of my body I could, I get $30,000 for. Dude, it's just it's it's a weird thing when you start growing dreads where it's just like they they don't they, they end up being a part of you, you know. So it'd be like cutting a part of myself off yeah. if, if I 
if I did that. And I I'd let someone it. cut off my pinky for thirty thousand. For, for thirty grand. <laughs> I, I really, probably would. I really yeah, didn't yeah, know. using it. As Cruz right. was starting to say that, I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> right, dude. Cruz has been that on was a, That was the longest first, like, letter of a word I've ever heard. Cruz has been on a wild card streak lately, man. You don't know what he's going to say next. <laughs> oh. Hey, let's talk some football and fun and uh, a little bit of everything. And a Jags QB will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. That's the tease. Is he a current QB or a former QB? He's a... I'm not saying this. Okay. I'm not saying it. Okay. But it is a QB. <laughs> On ESPN 690. More to come. Stay with us. Next. Hey, welcome back on the Tuesday edition. Brent Morton along with Austin Lane and Coos pushing all the buttons. And uh, we're having some fun. Off to a good start. On Tuesday, and Nick Foles continues to dominate the water coolers around town, I would think water coolers across the country when it comes to the NFL or does anybody everybody just think now it's a foregone conclusion and okay we're moving on to the next story give us something else it is franchise tag day across the NFL so everybody keeping their eye on some players that could be tagged a bunch of the players were announced yesterday or released reported on and then today you got to make that decision the Jags will not have any of those decisions to make in terms of a franchise tag instead the focus continues to be will Nick Foles end up in Jacksonville, what will the deal look like? Who will they get in the first round if Foles gets here? So, well, any other thoughts on Nick Foles <laughs> as we <laughs> as we roll out a Tuesday? Because I, I warned people yesterday, I said, it's going to be Nick Foles week in Jacksonville. I mean, we are going to... It has to be. I, I, I mean, said, the way question, it is. Hey, we got to find a different way to advance this thing, or it's going to be the same old story. But until next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the Nick Foles conversation is going to be... Well, what it's been. And and my thought on it is we've talked about Nick Foles in this light for probably some two months now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a connect the dots possibility ever since John Filippo really uh, took over as the offensive coordinator, was hired as the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. You connected the dots. So I think we have varying opinions. In a minute, we'll hear an opinion that is not so great on Nick Foles uh, about coming to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think right now people are okay with the move from a national standpoint. I'm not talking about Jags fans because there is a segment of the fans, at least that I follow on social media or we talk to on social media, that some are just so in love with with Dwayne Haskins and the idea of Haskins that anything else is not even worth taking a look at. And and that happens. That that stuff happens. And you know what? I always say this. You might be right. But I also think the logic of – a Nick Foles in this situation, just put you in, in the J- at Jags headquarters right now, also makes a lot of sense and could be right. People love just like, you know, the, the fresh new thing. I mean, with Foles, we're pretty sure we know basically what we're getting. Um, he might surprise us. We shall see if we do get Foles, that is. But with Haskins, you know, and, and with Murray as well, because you have to throw Murray in the conversation as well, just in case, because there are some mock drafts that have Murray going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Maurice Jones-Jew today said that um, he wouldn't mind seeing the Jaguars draft uh, Murray as well. So, listen, those guys like the fresh new thing. So, as a football fan, you, you always want to be intrigued. I mean, it's all about intrigued. You know, I mean, especially in the offseason, coming off a, an abysmal year, um, you you want to tie your wagon to something hopeful. You want to tie your wagon to something new. And, and with Nick Foles, you know, he's not the new guy, unfortunately. 
And, you know, I've been kind of seeing people say, like, we shouldn't be so hard on Nick Foles because, listen, when he went to St. Louis, who was he with? He was with Jeff Fisher. And, and people are starting to point that maybe Jeff you know, Fisher isn't really a quarterback whisperer because you saw what happened with Jared Goff as well, where Jared Goff was with the Rams in L.A. and uh, didn't have a really good first season. Well, all of a sudden the new coach comes in, McVay comes in, and all of a sudden, you know, Goff's uh, – Goff's, I don't want to say an elite quarterback, but he's a pretty good, uh, I'd say a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. So people want to argue, well, maybe it's Fisher that had something to do with, uh, you know, that had something to do with Foles not being so well. If you want to take that road, and hey, by all means, take that road, but then let me point to this. In his best season, in the season that really got him signed, uh, you know, to, to the Rams and that free agent deal, in his best season of 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, that was with a you know a Chip Kelly offense that was brand new to the NFL. So if you're gonna say well Fish is responsible for Foles you know having that bad year, then I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say well guess what then Chip Kelly is responsible for Foles having his best year of his career. Yeah, and I guess you could make that case. What I'm always enamored in is this circle of Nick Foles where Nick Foles has that year, then gets traded away for Sam Bradford, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean that that's why, first of all, <laughs> 27 and two, and then Sam Bradford comes in and obviously he can't stay healthy. That uh, He just won't stop getting hurt. And we, we really don't know how good of a quarterback Sam Bradford could have been, would have been, will be. But I think it's interesting that he's still on the market, you know, yeah. and, and I'll also add to that the whole Case Keenum thing with the Rams where Foles got benched and Keenum came in. And isn't it funny that the Jags could actually pick – all three guys if they want to right now. Yeah. They could have Bradford, Keenum, and Foles playing whatever one they want, and obviously different uh, price points. But the guy that rolls out of the those three is Nick Foles. The guy that's accomplished more is Nick Foles. The guy that won a Super Bowl and an MVP and really has gone on a run these last couple of years is Nick Foles. And I, I think that's fascinating that those three quarterbacks are kind of morphed together in some of the crosshairs of the NFL transactions, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, over the last handful of years. And here we are in 2019, maybe predicting Nick Foles. I teased something yesterday at the end of the show. And I said, why the Jags might be lucky to get Nick Foles. And I think people refuse to look at it this way. Right now, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think there's two schools of thought on Nick Foles. One, this is a big mistake and you're going to overpay. Two, this is a logical play for the interim until you find your franchise quarterback. Well, Mike, just just broaden your horizons a little bit. <laughs> Come with me in the Sunshine and Rainbows Club, which it might be time to bring back in 2019. But might the Jags be getting this stroke of luck that has eluded this organization so many different times? They've had more bad luck than good luck. They've got a quarterback that's 30 years old. And in my opinion, again, they don't have him yet, but they've got a quarterback out there in this free agent market. 30 years old, a Super Bowl MVP. I bring up his resume. It's decent. It's pretty good. His touchdowns and interceptions. He's got some leadership skills that people talk about. He's kind of calm, cool, and collected, a bit unflappable, if you will. I think 30 years old is when quarterbacks kind of come into their own, 29, 30, 31. I think it's the one position where I'd rather have a 30-year-old guy than a 24-year-old guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's dealt with things. And now you have a guy playing at the best he's ever played, has some confidence too. And on top of that, 
you might be the only team interested in him. In a quarterback-starved world of football, and especially in the NFL, the Jags land in a spot where they might be the only team interested in a Super Bowl MVP, a guy coming into his own, maybe in his prime, maybe about to take off in his career. Again, there's a lot of maybes here, but there's a lot of maybes if you draft Wayne Haskins. So come with me. Stay with me. Don't get off my Sunshine and Rainbows Club just yet. I'm with you, man. But might the Jags be getting a stroke of luck that they have not been able to find? Here's what's happened to the Jags in the past. The Jags have had to draft a QB like Blake Bortles and reach for somebody because – well, there wasn't a ton of quarterbacks available that draft that they fell in love with. They had to go get a Luke Jokel because there wasn't, even though they had the number two pick, there were no quarterbacks in the 2013 draft to take. So they had to go after an offensive tackle, even though they had a top two pick. A year later, I believe it was Jameis Winston. Well, actually, that would have been, a year later would have been Bortles. 2014 would have been Bortles. So 2015 would have been like Winston and Mariota. Like, why couldn't they have had the Winston-Mariota problem to deal with in 2013 instead of, like, no quarterbacks? But is that really a problem you even want, Well, I know, but at, but at the time, at you would have been, like, you. been like, yeah. oh, yeah, or Goff and Wentz. True. You know, mm-hmm. they, when they were picking top two, they didn't have those quarterbacks. Why couldn't the Jags all these years been like the Indianapolis Colts? You ride with Peyton Manning, he retires, you suck for a year, and you go get Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you fall into the number one spot. The Jags haven't been that team. Mm-hmm. But are we looking at a Jags franchise right now with jobs on the line and win-now mentality and a team that's halfway decent around them? As much as we kill the offense, they still have some decent players. And I think some quick fixes potential on offense. And we know the defense is at least good. How good, we can debate. But we know it's at least good. Might they be getting lucky in the landing spot they are with a 30-year-old quarterback and maybe the only team interested in bringing in a Super Bowl MVP? How many times does that happen? And what you're telling me, because you're negative, Twitter, I get it, you're negative, is you're telling me he's the only one available because nobody wants him and they don't think he's good. But might you be wrong? I think it's more nobody needs him. I agree with that. And, And the fact, too, I mean, you said that the Jaguars might get lucky here. Well, the Jaguars could use some luck this, you know, this offseason because you look at pre-agency, when it comes to wide receivers, the Jaguars may need one. The only guy available, really, that we're talking about is Antonio Brown, and I don't want Antonio Brown anymore after his whole tirade and whatnot and just the, the you know, the off-the-field chaos. Well, we'll get into that later. Um, sh- 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 shame on you for that thought. But anyways, <laughs> uh, and then getting back to the draft as well, listen, we're not talking about any top 10 wide receivers except DK Metcalf, who Tom Brady ran a better three-yard shuttle than, uh, than DK Metcalf did, so... There's not a lot of options in that top ten. There's nothing. There's not one guy that's like, well, if we get Foles, we got to draft this guy because he's going to be a Jaguar, and I like what he brings to the table. There's nothing like that at all. So the fact that maybe we can get that free agent quarterback, maybe we can get lucky, that's a great thing. And one more thing too that no one's talking about when it comes to Nick Foles, if he does go to the Jaguars, what was the Jagu- what, what was the Jaguars' biggest thing that they needed last year that didn't have was leadership. Nick Foles is going to give you some of that leadership. You see how the Philadelphia Eagles locker room um, praised him and everything like that. Even when he uh, the Eagles didn't bring him back, you saw some some outcry from former Eagles players and whatnot. So Foles is going to bring leadership, and that's something that you can't put a price tag on. So from that aspect, I am excited. Be careful with leadership, though. I think leadership comes with success. The problem, like, but. Blake Bortles is not necessarily a bad leader. The, the problem is he didn't have enough success to command the respect 
from that position to be able to lead. The voice wasn't loud enough because I don't have flash in a Super Bowl ring or wins in the playoffs. Foles did have that. Yeah, but do you think going to like doing barstool sports and doing these crazy interviews with blondes is, uh, is, is a good thing as well for a leader? Well, I think it's a good thing. I don't know about for a leader. Okay, well, there you go. I don't see Foles doing that stuff. More Foles talk next on ESPN 690. Hey, we're going to talk a little LeBron James in a little bit. Uh, the Lakers are a mess. How does it hurt LeBron's legacy if it does? And where are the Lakers ending up in 2019? Coos author of the Drive and Dish podcast will share some thoughts and uh, we might have to play a little over under game uh, getting to the end of the year in the NBA which is coming uh, pretty fast let's stay on football for a moment again uh, top of the hour we'll have uh, some QB talk as well a Jags QB will join us and (laughs) (laughs) uh, more on Nick Foles and as we were just talking just if if you just caught us uh, in the break we're wrapping up with, I think there's a potential here. Now, I, I'm not saying I firmly believe this, but I think you have to float the idea of it, that the Jags might be getting fortunate in this whole QB situation. I think we look at things so negatively. Like, there's no way it can work, right? There's no way. I don't think you can dismiss and ignore his resume. His resume is pretty decent. I mean, this is a franchise that just got to an AFC championship game with Blake Bortles, who many people malign. I, I didn't malign him as much as everybody else. But I think everybody would say this is an upgrade over Blake Bortles. So if it's an upgrade over Blake Bortles and the guy's got success and you make it to the playoffs and he'll have that success in his back pocket and he has all these intangibles that people are starting to talk about, he's comfortable. So that's the one other part of this. Problem with bringing in a rookie QB or any QB and the problem with bringing in an offensive coordinator with any QB is they have to learn each other. They don't know each other. This is this is. Maybe the best part of potentially Nick Foles joining the Jaguars is that he knows the offensive coordinator. We have experienced this way too much in Jacksonville. Who did we have? Uh, it was Allen Robinson we had on at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And remember, A-Rob, we were asking him about Jacksonville and did you want to get away from Jacksonville? Was that a better move? And his thought was, I wanted to get away from all the change. He's like, this isn't an excuse. He just said it's hard. When you have a different guy coming in every year, different uh, different offense, different language, different expectations, different style. That's fact. And players will say that's fact. The one beauty of all a lot of teams that have done well is the continuity. Continuity of coach and quarterback. Offensive coordinator and quarterback. I mean, even the great Tom Brady, as great as he is, look at the continuity they have had. Even McDaniels now has been there in and out. For a long, long time. I mean, they've kept their offensive line coach. Even after he retired, they went back and got him, Skarnikia. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Belichick and, and Brady. So, I mean, you look at the greatest. He's he's the greatest for a lot of different reasons. But you've got to believe knowing how to finish each other's sentences in our <laughs> business yeah. is just the same as those guys being able to feed off each other when calling a play on third and eight in a tight situation and trusting that. Mm-hmm. You know? So... I think you got to look at that part and say, this is a good situation potentially. Why can't we look at it that way? This could be a good situation with Nick Foles. This don't, yeah, you got to keep your fingers crossed because it's the NFL and it's QB position. But I think this guy, if it happens, could be walking into a really good situation because you know they're going in the next week and two months, they're going to get some added weapons for him. 
You know that. How good they are, I can't tell you. But they're going to try. So on top of that, it could be a good situation for him, just like he was in in Philly. He had a good offensive line. He had good weapons, no doubt. He he admits that. But on the flip side, this could be a very good situation for the Jags. And I think we're denying, we're in a little bit of denial that that could be the case. The people that want the young QB, and I get it. I, I, I respect it. That's fine. If you want Haskins, go get him. I like that you're all in on that. But if but you're almost in denial a bit anytime anybody talks about Nick Foles, and it's like it can't be good because it's not Haskins. Well, that's not necessarily the case. True. And Haskins, by the way, could be bad too. <laughs> so I, I think we just haven't looked at it that way where is it possible? And some would say, well, no, because it's the Jaguars. But is it possible that the Jaguars are right now getting lucky and making a very good decision that might benefit this franchise for the next three to six, maybe even more years? I brought up the leadership standpoint, and you seem kind of hesitant to give him the whole leadership card. Do you think Foles brings leadership, or are you not buying into that? Well, as part of me, I just don't know him well enough. I mean, you know, I don't. And, and as I, I don't either. I'm, I'm reading stuff, and yeah. I, I think, again, I'm a believer that in this league, and you played in it, I believe grown men playing sport at an elite level respect the game. They they might not go out to dinner with Nick Foles. They might not buy him a gift. I don't know. But they respect the fact that he's played well in crunch time especially. Mm-hmm. And when you come up big in this, I think everybody across sports and professional sports especially respects game whether they like a guy or not and to me that's where the leadership evolves mm-hmm. now what is he doing you know what i i'm so don't tell me he commands a huddle do not do that whatever you do don't tell him. blaine gabbert commanded a huddle okay guys have commanded huddles in jacksonville for a long time i don't need the guy to be able to say blue 42 80 you know yeah. you know i write on three you know mm-hmm. <laughs> omaha <Yeah. whatever> <laughs> i mean he's a quarterback I, I, he can do that to me the command in the huddle might be important to some people but i think it goes to you command the huddle because you're playing with confidence and you're playing well that, that's a great point actually so you know i spent a little time with chicago and um I talked to a few former players who played with Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler. They played with both of them. And they said that the only difference between their attitude and the way they approach the game and practice and whatnot, because, you know, I mean, obviously Peyton Manning was kind of known as a guy, I don't want to say, like, uh, I'm going to put this, he was, he demanded perfection. Okay. I mean, he, he wasn't the easiest guy to practice with because if you drop the ball, you have to do it again. If, if you don't run the play right, you have to restart the whole Joe over again. That was Peyton Manning's MO. Okay. That's why Peyton Manning was so great. Jay Cutler has some of the same characteristics, but the difference between Jay Cutler and Peyton Manning was Jay Cutler wasn't winning. So people didn't want to buy with Jay Cutler because he wasn't winning ballgames. You can be as critical and you can approach the game from any angle you want. If you're winning games, guys are going to follow you. Yes. I mean, that, that's just a fact. But if you're not winning games, it doesn't matter how nice or how mean you are. It doesn't matter how, how much film you're watching. It doesn't matter how late you come in or how, how late you stay in the stadium, how early you come in the next morning. That doesn't matter. If you're not winning games, guys are not going to follow you. So that's a prime example between, you know, like a Peyton Manning and a Jay Cutler. Well, and, and here's the point to that, too. Just to pound it home a little bit more, Peyton Manning, the year he threw, whatever, 30 interceptions in his rookie year, wasn't demanding perfection out of his teammates. Mm-hmm. Once he figured it out a little bit, he could then demand perfection, right? He could grow. I say the same. What do I always say about Russell Wilson? I said it again last night on Twitter. He was in a spot where he could succeed and come along at his pace where he didn't have to do much or too much. 
He made plays that commanded respect. He won games that commanded respect. That respect grew. The confidence grew. And what that morphs into two, three, four years later is a guy now that could say whatever the hell he wants and you'll listen. Absolutely. Because he's done it. And so that's just sports. You know, that's coach. That's player. And I think what, you know, again, we, we talked about Blake's a great dude. Blake's, the thing that commanded respect for Blake is two things. But it wasn't good enough to win football games and enough of them and command the complete respect. One is he was a tough son of a gun. Mm -hmm. He was tough, man. He would take hits. He'd play through stuff. And I know this, and you've been in it, but I know this. Nothing command, nothing gets more respect from teammates in an NFL locker room than playing through injuries. Because you've all been there. Mm -hmm. So you can relate. And when the quarterback does that, I think that demands respect and i think that's where he got it i think he'd also help that blake never threw anybody under the bus blake had a ton of excuses around here no doubt he did yep and and he'd never said it and that holds value with people that holds value in a locker room that holds value in a building so i think he did have respect we talked about it a lot uh, I, I always go back to this and I, i've talked about this multiple times over the say the last year the reason he got everybody on board, in my opinion, Blake Bortles, at least from a temporary standpoint, his career changed in the Cincinnati game two years ago here in Jacksonville. And it wasn't because of the A.J. Green, Jalen Ramsey fight. Mm -hmm. I think that's what that happened that same day. Yeah, it was. Um, instead, it was perfect, had called out Bortles publicly. Doug Marone in the Saturday night meeting said... This is our guy. He's going to go play big tomorrow. He's going to get it done. Whatever he said, something like that. Bortles led them to victory, made key plays, played well in that game, well enough to win. And right there, I think it was this whole attitude change in the Jags locker room. Well, when you have that change and everybody starts buying in and not really worrying about what everybody on the outside says, I think you started getting players defending Blake Bortles. Mm -hmm. Players saying, no, he's our guy. You can say whatever you want about him, but you don't know him. And then what happened is they started winning football games, and then he got confidence in that, right? Yep. He got He said, all right, God, these guys aren't ripping me apart. I'm not walking into this building and people are looking at me funny because half of America thinks I suck and half of America thinks I'm just okay. And nobody thinks I'm really good. Mm -hmm. And that's that wears on you in your own building. That has to wear on you when you're in front of the offense. But that changed against Cincinnati that one day. And and that gave him confidence. And in turn, it gave the team confidence and, and admiration and a little respect. And what did they do? Yeah. He went on and played the best football of his life. And they go to the AFC championship game. I'm not don't read this the wrong way. I'm not saying that's the single reason why. Mm -hmm. But I've always put that moment as the biggest moment in why the Jags went to the AFC Championship game mm -hmm. and why Blake Bortles hit a level that we hadn't seen yet as a quarterback in the NFL. Now, it all fell apart somewhere in 2018 when everything around him started going bad. He, he brought back the, the bad Blake mojo and couldn't get out of it. He just couldn't get out of it. So you see it go the other way, too. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw that in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. So this is a big leadership question, but the bottom line is if the guy has confidence – and he demands the respect yeah. because of his success. Mm -hmm. Well, then people are jumping on board because I think that's the big Allen Robinson problem with Blake back in that training camp. Yeah. You know what happens? If Blake isn't playing well, Blake is starting to cost Allen Robinson money in a contract when his contract's ending. That's real-world stuff in it the NFL. Together. So mm -hmm. you've got to be playing well is my point. I'll never forget, and you kind of brought up a great point, but being tough, you know, I mean, that can have a major factor on your team. 
I'll never forget it. Back in 2010, uh, it was my first year in Jacksonville. Dave Grard went down with an injury, and we had Trent Edwards. Remember Trent Edwards? I do. So we brought in Trent People Edwards. People around here remember him as Captain Checkdown. Yeah. So okay, it was whatever it was, man. I think he came from <laughs> Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. He did. But I'll never forget the first game that Trent Edwards took over for Dave uh, Dave Grard. The first game that Trent Edwards started, it was like a third and long. And nobody was open, and Trent went for the first down and knew he was going to get hit and literally just lowered his He's not a big guy either. No, Dude just lowered his shoulder and uh, took on a double team, got absolutely depleted, but got the first down. And I remember that play, and the whole side was going nuts, man, because like Trent's got in the guy's face and said first down and everything. <laughs> but I'll never forget at halftime, we're, we're sitting in the locker room, and I would probably count five, six defensive players went up to Trent Edwards like, hey, man, we're going to roll with you. Like, we have your back because that was awesome. Like, that's what we needed to see. Because sometimes, you know, I don't want to call quarterbacks prima donnas, but, you know, they're in training camp. They're in the red jerseys and stuff like that. You, you don't know how hard it is sometimes to, to be a quarterback in the NFL. But uh, especially on game days, man, you're taking that brutal beating. Um, and you know, like, like I said, Trent Edwards went for that third and long and got the first down and sacrificed his body. That's something you can roll with. It so. can change on a play, it but, can but also play. it can go the other way if you don't play well. Without consistently. a doubt. One last thought on this uh, in terms of leadership. You brought up Jay Cutler. Mm-hmm. I've been told by multiple people that have played in Chicago that the that the view of Jay Cutler is not as accurate no. as people say. Not that, at that all. He, that I've got people that I... I know that have played with Jay Cutler yeah. and that, that will defend him and say he's not nearly as bad a teammate as everybody says. So I think what the what the national synopsis is is the fact that Jay Cutler played like he didn't care, like he didn't care about the Chicago Bears, and that couldn't be any farther from the truth. You know, uh, it's like I said, the, the dude put the work in, the dude held everybody to a higher standard. He demanded that his players be accountable, but the fact was he wasn't winning games. And when you're not winning games, well, the team can kind of fold in on itself. Yeah, absolutely. That's, what, that's what happened. Well, we know that can happen here in Jacksonville. It's happened quite a bit uh, to various uh, quarterbacks. We'll see who the next one is. We're not done talking about quarterbacks, by the way. We've got one joining us at uh, 4 o'clock. We'll also hear some negative thoughts about the Foles acquisition, potentially. Potentially. Uh, but coming up next, let's talk a little NBA. Kuz is itching. He can't wait. He's got to talk a little Lakers. Podcast only comes driving dish podcast only comes around once a week. We gotta get a little NBA in here. Let's do it. LeBron. Oof. I'm not sure I even like LeBron these days. And I usually love LeBron. What's going on with these people? I don't like anybody anymore. I don't know. I'll tell you what though, man, uh not looking good for the Lake Show. No. Not good whatsoever. Hey, let's hoop it up. Swish a three. Dunk on lane. Nah, that's not happening. Next on ESPN six ninety. What's the magic whiteboard say? Well, <laughs> after hearing you, uh, did you hear three my times resume tape? By the way, yeah, that's so, a, that was my resume uh, tape that last break. You know, I decided to put a little three-piece Brent Martino <laughs> coming at you, a little three-piece, no big deal. Oh my goodness, I don't know how that happened. Like, how does it happen, Coos? Right, it gets kind of like automated. Well, yeah. So there's like, you know, people that schedule that stuff for us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of times I don't think they're looking at who the voice of the actual yeah, commercial yeah, yeah. or whatever it is is probably should so uh <laughs> i just pulled off a three-peat you know you did man I, hey, back I, to back to back i'm just glad the the, the pints and pucks is over with like, <laughs> now, now i'm just Actually, chilling in the cut i'm just hanging yeah, yeah. out can I we can, just throw that back in there it's still in here i'll play it <laughs> just oh, pass, really people just, are gonna, we're people are gonna hear past it just Why to separate my voice at the very least <laughs> all right fair enough go out and sell something austin <laughs> i'm trying oh man i'm a little busy right now i'm not getting paid so what do you want me to do <laughs> you're, you're asking a lot of me <laughs>
Yeah, that was funny though. We're like, is this a get? Is this the same? Wait a minute. A little three piece Brett Marno. <laughs> back to back to I back like that it, three point shot from yeah, downtown. Nothing wrong with that. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. If you're not already sick of me, you're sick of me now. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, did you said you went double whiteboard? Yeah. What was the first one? Uh, you erased it so quick, I couldn't see. Well, because I, I figured it was a, it was kind of a video game reference, so you wouldn't really get it. But uh, but I said, uh, so there's a new, Kuz, you could probably back me up here. There's a new Metal Gear Solid movie in, in the making, possibly. Uh-huh. And uh, Oscar Isaac threw his name in the ring for Snake. And I said, I think Gary Oldman would make a pretty good Re- Revolver Ocelot. What the heck are you guys Brent, talking about? Your, your thoughts about Revolver Ocelot. <laughs> I don't even know what word you just said. Re- Revolver Ocelot. You know, I never, I, 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 I know those games. I never yeah, ended never up playing them. that one. Yeah, no. I bet you didn't. Uh, right, I'm excited, mind. though, the, the Halo uh, TV show that's coming. Nope. Not, 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 I'm talking Halo on my show. Oh. Uh, hey, there's any callers out there want to talk about some Metal Gear Solid, feel free to call <laughs> into the show. We'd love to have you. No, don't. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> no, don't. We won't Brent pick just shut it down no. real quick. <laughs> tweet it in. <laughs> tweet, tweet it in. All right. Tweet, All right. It, tweet it in. Metal don't Gear Solid. Call. Tweet it in. But if you want to talk sports, you can call 904-362-9901. Uh, I have to put a capper on something. Uh, what are you playing right now, uh, Coos? Is it still the same game there? Apex. Apex I'm Legends. telling you, man. Mm. So is it good? It's just like yeah. better than Fortnite or just a refresher and something different? Uh, it. I th- I'd say it's – well, I guess it's. it depends on what you're into. You know what I mean? Like, like. Oh, but is it, you're killing people in the game? Yes. Yes, you are. Well, you so how could it be different than what I'm into? Because that's like cartoonized, <laughs> and this is, and I mean, it, like, what kind of video game vibe do you like? Like, this is more realistic in a way. It sounds weird, but like. Excuse me? More realistic than Fortnite. It actually, Apex like. Apex Legend? Well. It looks more real. Okay. Is what I'm saying. I mean. And if you're so into type Sure. No, I don't no, think no, they necessarily no show blood. No, because no. that was no the blood. big thing with the kids. That's how Fortnite got the kids. Oh, yeah, Bob's because it's they're not blood and groups. Yeah. So then you're and they're all right. dancing and yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the dances. Mm-hmm. My my, my, way, good fun. my nephew, <laughs> my sister was in town, and uh, my nephew's nine, about to be ten, and my niece was in town. But my nephew is playing Fortnite, and I don't know if nine's too early to play Fortnite or no, not. I'm fine. not sure. No, that's but, probably fine. Uh, he would just break out in the dances. <laughs> Like wherever he is, yeah, he's it's got, like a... and he's got no shame at all. I'm like, dude, See, you back... know you look like an idiot right now. <laughs> back in back when I was, <laughs> and he's like, doesn't matter, dude. Actually, let's go ahead because I actually have a pretty funny when I was... Uber story involving Fortnite, but we'll see. Hang when on. I was younger, the like, by the thing way, Chase, that... I didn't just call you an idiot. Kind of did though. Yeah. Oh Uncle man, <laughs> no, but but when I was younger, it was the you you snapped your finger like you were actually like packing a dip can, but nobody ever uh, did. We were like middle school, but that was like the thing. That was yeah, yeah, and I can still do it. I don't know. I never dipped once in my life, but I can, I can still do that for whatever reason. Yeah, that's a, that's a listen. There's cool stuff, I, but this one, like I know it's the celebrations in sports. Like the Red Sox kind of made it cool, mm-hmm. and and now others have done it. Hurricanes. Um, yeah, but I, I, but I mean, he literally is walking around and doing, <laughs> and, and the, there's a couple of them like I hadn't seen. Yeah, like Ty plays a bit, but he doesn't do that. Like Ty's not, he's not, not breaking out <laughs> dancing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this guy, he's awesome, and he he doesn't mind breaking out dancing and anywhere. It's it's just funny. It's it's amazing. That's what's that's what got me about that game is, is just the. I, it took me months to figure out that these things were from a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're still so. Wait a minute. So you've got a shooting game combined with. That's good for all different ages. People mm-hmm. 40 years old are playing it. People nine years old are playing it. Yep. And then on top of that, there's like this myriad of dances that yeah. comes out of it. That. 
What a bizarre Makes trio, right? Oh, and yeah, on top sure. of it, they're going to charge you 99 cents for a new one, and that's where the money's made. That's yeah. where the money's made. And do, he spends it. Do we have time for a quick Uber story? Uh, we, we always have time. We all around uh, Fortnite quick, so... This is probably about a year ago. I go to Jack's Beach. I pick up this couple. I probably put them around my age, you know, 30 years old or whatnot. Um, they're either married or they've been together for a long time because you can kind of tell they're getting on each other's you know, nerves a little bit. But uh, I scooped them up. I picked them up at the bar like around 8 o'clock, taking them back past the bridge on Beach Boulevard, um, you know, past like the boat landing and whatnot. So I'm driving them, and the whole time, this guy's wife or whatever, uh, fiance, girlfriend. Significant other. Yes, his significant other was just going off about, I can't believe we had to leave early so you can go play Fortnite. You're <laughs> such a loser. You're such a, like, literally, like, chastising. I'm talking, like, I mean, at, at first it was funny, but, like, ten minutes into the car ride, she's still going at him. I'm like, I kind of feel bad for this guy. Like, okay, so I kind of feel bad for this guy a little bit. And uh, so she's going back and forth. Like, I can't believe you're such an embarrassment. My friends, we had nothing in common with you. Like, why am I even with you? So, like, I, mind you, I'm just riding in the, in the front, just not saying anything. I'm just kind of taking it all in. <laughs> so the, the car is deathly quiet, and it is awkward now. Like, the guy hasn't said anything. He's a beaten man. He's uh, He's probably questioning what he's doing with his life. And all of a sudden, because, you know, I'm a big Fortnite player, too, I turn back and I go, sub, dude, what do you, uh, do you go to Anarchy Acres or where do you, where do you go <laughs> get your guns at? Where, where do you drop it at? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, dude, so where do you drop it at Anarchy Acres? And uh, where, are you, where are you going? Are you going uh, to Tomato Town? And all of a sudden, his girl or whatever is like, are you effing kidding me? Are you kidding me? And the, I swear to God, like, the, 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 the dude lit up so, like, he, his, he had the biggest smile on his face. He's like, dude, you play Fortnite, too? I'm like, yeah, man, I play Fortnite. So we talked Fortnite another 20 minutes, and his uh, wife, uh, or whatever, just, like, sat there in the back. They're seat, now just, divorced. Oh, update. yeah, for sure. Uh, but how much uh, video games have, have helped in uh, divorces or troubled marriages? <laughs> Seriously, no, for probably sure. a lot. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you better hope that she had uh, he had the Uber app where the tip comes into play potentially. Yeah. And she did needless it. to say, I think it was actually her app, so I'm sure I got like a one star rating or something like that. Uh, oh well. A couple of thoughts on our last conversation. Uh, first of all, Morocco Shrine Center home to Nirvana concert. My senior prom and MMA fighting. Versatility says Meta World Crazy. There we go. I like <laughs> Pretty it. Good. Yeah. A real MBB. Uh, I'm with Brent talking up foals right now. Why can't it work out in Jax? It's one hell of an opportunity being presented to them. That a baby, Matthew. That a baby. Uh, of course, there's a rebuttal to that. Bill McNeil. I'm telling you, um, I'll tell you why people like me feel the way we do because Super Bowl MVP or not, Foles feels like a band-aid on a gushing wound. Well, whoa. Yeah, I mean, Jags have been a gushing wound, kind of like gushing like the St. John's River at times over the last decade. Uh, and Matthew did respond, and maybe it is, but it could be a three to four year band-aid which potentially uh, it could be in Jacksonville. So back and forth we go on Foles. Didn't really even get to the NBA. Quick thought before we'll go more on uh, – we were fortnighting it. Uh, yeah, it's my, my fault. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. But uh, let's uh, – quick thought on, on the Lakers right now. Yeah. And tease ahead for a couple of segments. We'll get back on to the NBA and the Lakers. But your thoughts, Kuz? Uh, one of the debates we were having on the podcast is if they can actually win 35 games this season. Uh, they are, well, last night was the one that we thought was like they needed to win, and I feel like most people agreed with they needed to beat the Clippers last night. It didn't happen. So now it's like I think they might have like three more winnable games in the schedule. They've got the seventh hardest schedule in the league right now uh, for the, till the end of the year. So I, I question can they win even 35 did you see Kyle Kuzma push LeBron last night to play defense? Did yeah. you see that, Brad? I didn't see it. Oh yeah. So there's a they're in transition and 
there was a guy wide open for the Clippers, and uh, Kuzma literally pushes LeBron towards his man. Uh, very ballsy uh, move there, but eh. I, I guess he's he's a young kid. He has some fire in him. Good for him. Wow, they're also like, all right, LeBron, you tried to get rid of us. We'll we'll take over this team a little bit too. I no, mean, for sure. I mean, there's people, an element of that that exists. There's an underbelly of it that still exists. Yeah, I'm convinced that they have the talent to win. It's just the fact that when Magic came out and said that they're trying to get Anthony Davis and all the players that were on the market, you know, on the trade block came out. Those players got ticked off. It'd be like if Brent went to Senderic Martin and said, "Listen, Austin's bombing the show. Let's bring you in here instead." And if I found out about that, Brent. I would not be a happy camper. All right, hang on. Send Derek on yeah, line one. Do it, do it, Brent. Let's I call you. him up. Let's, let's see. All right, I, I, send I dare Derek. You, Brent. Let's dial him up. See, see, we should get see him on how the show. I respond then. <laughs> Wrestling think, Wednesdays, nonstop. Uh, more to come on ESPN 690. <laughs> hey, it's 4 o'clock on a Tuesday, and that means I hope you're having a good day. You're probably an hour or so away from getting out of work. If you hate your job, that's a good thing. If you love your job, it's still a good thing. And it also means it's happy hour horn time. Hit it. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. If you're at a bar on a Tuesday, more power to you. <laughs> or God bless you. Uh, uh, yeah, or, or God bless you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Uh, welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Morton along with Austin Lane and Coos is here as well, as always. Hey, let's stay on the LeBron topic for a moment. So you were saying you don't think they could get to 35 wins. And what I do wonder about that is will other teams that are already in the postseason relax a little bit, rest some players, getting ready for the preparation of the postseason where they could, uh, the Lakers maybe could take advantage. Now, LeBron says that he is going to play this thing out. There are some people suggesting LeBron should just shut it down if they're not going to make the postseason. That would be a really, 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 really bad look. I agree. I like if I and I think even LeBron mentioned if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. And like there's the NBA is already going through the problem with Anthony Davis, where he's not playing in fourth quarters. The other game they put him in for the very last play of the game, which is kind of like it almost even worse, in my opinion. That's kind of, you know, now you're poking fun at it. So, um, yeah, I just I, I don't understand what. I guess LeBron was hoping for with the Lakers. Personally, I didn't think the young core was going to get them there to begin with. But now that they know that they're technically out, and this was brought up on um, one of the ESPN shows earlier today, was everyone else other than LeBron on that team has no uh, inspiration to to play well because you'd assume Luke Walton's gone. You assume most of the young core's gone. Rondo's on a one year. Like all these guys are going to be out. Really, what are they playing for at this point? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and on top of that, again, they're 30 and 34. So trying to get to 35 wins over the last 18 games could be tricky, uh, even though it doesn't sound obscene to be able to do that. But I, I think this doesn't feel like he came to L.A. to say, hey, we need to rebuild this. This might be a tough year. And said, we're not going to make the postseason. We're just going to be awful. And then, bam, next year we'll be good. I don't even know if there's a quick fix for the Lakers. I mean, this might be an epically bad decision for LeBron James. And this is my question I want to ask both you guys is the fact that – so obviously there's some plan in place hopefully for next year. You know, I I think Magic Johnson has a couple tricks up his sleeve. But my question to you guys is does LeBron still have that luster? Like do do players still want to go to L.A.? I mean, so being in L.A. obviously helps out a lot too. It's it's an interesting city. Obviously players want to go there. But – 
does playing with LeBron is it still intriguing as it was you know five years ago? Like are are players willing to sacrifice where they're at, maybe take a, a pay cut to go play with LeBron? And this is where I think MJ and LeBron are different. Where MJ was the scorer, he's going to be the guy that's going to get the ball through the hoop. Where LeBron. He's kind of an all-around. He's going to score, but he's also going to grab rebounds. He's also going to get assists. So in that aspect, I think players do want to go play with him because, yeah, they're, they know this guy has a track record of being able to get them some assists and play, and I think that's why Anthony Davis, even with all this, I, I have a feeling he still ends up out there. All right, more NBA talk coming up in just a little bit. Right now we'll be glad to join be joined by a quarterback from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and there's been a lot of quarterback talk in Jacksonville uh, really for ever. Uh, but really the last couple of months. But right now we're joined by a guy that's new to the Jags roster, Alex Magoo. Played at Florida International, and uh, I think he's down in South Florida right now uh, checking us out on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with former Jags player Austin Lane here. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? We're doing, doing well. Uh, what about this whole thing with Jacksonville? How did it come about for you? You, you got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, spent some time there as a seventh-round draft pick. Uh, how did this relationship with the Jags come about? Uh, well, you know, I, I spent the whole season on practice squad in uh, in Seattle. And, you know, after the season, you know, my agent was getting a lot of calls from teams. And, you know, we just wanted to kind of see what was out there. And an opportunity came with Jacksonville. And, you know, I kind of jumped on it. You know, I thought it was a, it was a great move for, you know, myself and, and my future. Well, how do you look at things right now uh, in terms of, you know, you're not really able to do too much this time of year. Uh, off-season conditioning will, will get going in April and then OTAs and the rest of it, where then you can uh, become a little bit more familiar uh, with things going on inside that building. But, heck, we don't even know what's going on. I don't think they know what's going on over these next couple of months from a quarterback roster standpoint. How much are you watching everything from Blake Bortles and his future here to potentially a Nick Foles or a young QB in the draft? I mean, I, I know you, I know you have to see all this. Uh, what's your take on how you observe it from from now a guy that's on that roster as a QB? Yeah, you know, I think you you just observe it as you know there's there's going to be obviously guys that are there and there's going to be guys coming in either you know a bigger name or a draft pick, but it's open. It's, you know, you, you got to go in and fight for your spot. And, you know, that's all I want. You know, I just want a, an opportunity to, to show what I got and, and, um, and you know, make a 53, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. And, that you, you know, you want to be a part of something and you want to help the team win. So I think I saw the opportunity of it being, you know, a, a chance to fight and a chance to go in and, and compete. And, you know, that's what I want. Hey, what's up, Alex? This is Austin Lane here. Listen, man, I wanted to ask you, you're a big proponent of meditation, and I didn't get into meditation until after my career in the NFL. Um, I felt like it really paid because so I actually do MMA. I do professional MMA, and it, it's okay. helped me a lot with, with you know with fighting and whatnot. Um, take us through like your whole meditation beliefs and things like that, and just how has it helped you play quarterback? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I actually just started it kind of probably like during training camp of last year you know going into my rookie season and I was kind of I struggled you know a little bit at the at the beginning and you know I just thought my head was kind of just not right and I, I wasn't thinking straight so my quarterback coach kind of introduced me to it and I kind of just I just started kind of doing it at night you know right before I went to sleep I would just kind of turn all the lights off uh, and just kind of sit there 
and I wouldn't lay down. I didn't want to fall asleep. I just wanted my, you know, my mind to be completely clear, you know, for however long that, you know, I, I, you know, I felt like I was good and my mind was, my mind got back to neutral, you know, whether I had a good day or I had a bad day, I always wanted to, to clear my head of that day, you know, just so I could go into that next day with a clear mindset and, and of a mindset, you know, that tomorrow's going to be better than yesterday because it's tomorrow. So I think just kind of just clearing your head and, and just sitting sitting in calmness and silence and, and not even trying to think about anything, just trying to think of nothing. And, um, and, and it's helped me so much. It's kind of helped me stay more relaxed and, and kind of not look at everything as one, just kind of separate each thing and say, okay, well, this is what happened here and this is why this happened. And, you know, just to get better from that. And, and it, it, it's helped me so much as far as just, you know, more relaxing and, and just taking each individual, you know, thing that happened in that day as an individual thing, not a group thing. So I think, you know, it's helped me definitely, you know, in everything in my life, not just football. So I'm, I'm really glad I started doing it and I'm going to, you know, continue to do that. Very cool. We're here with Alex Magoo, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Listen, I wanted to ask you, you know, um, when I was getting drafted, I was anywhere from a third-round pick to an undrafted free agent. From kind of what I did some research with you, uh, it said anywhere from a, like a fifth-round pick to anywhere from an undrafted free agent. How nerve-wracking was it sitting through the whole draft process and whatnot? Were you uh, watching it on TV or just kind of, you know, not follow it that much? Like, what was your draft process like? Yeah, uh, well, uh, the first two days I, I tried to just almost not even watch it. You know, I kind of tuned in the second day, but the first day I kind of just followed on my phone. I, I just I kind of wanted to get away from it. Um, but that third day I, I went, and I had not a, I wouldn't say a party, but, you know, I had, you know, I was, some of my closest friends, my quarterback coach, uh, people that I trust, all my family was there. Um, and we kind of just got together and just, and just kind of sat there, you know, by the TV. You know, there's, there's a lot of tension going on. Every time my phone rang, you know, it could be just your, my, you know, some random person calling me. You know, everyone got quiet and stared at me, and I was, and it was just, it was kind of an awkward day, you know. And obviously, until I got a call from, you know, John Schneider, mm-hmm. and everybody went crazy. It, it, it was, it was probably one of the best feelings, you know of my life, you know, cause you work so hard to get there and everybody knew that there and they kind of all felt that for me. And it, you know, it's one of those things you just don't, don't forget, you know, what you felt like and, and how you felt. And so, you know, everybody that was there kind of just, we all got together we all just hugged and we, we, you know, we, we said a few prayers and, you know, just said we had work to do and this wasn't the end. Brett Martin, along with Austin Lane here on ESPN 690, along with Alex Magoo, Jaguars quarterback, uh, spent time in Seattle last year on the practice squad, drafted seventh round by the Seattle Seahawks. Let me ask you about that experience. What did you learn year one in the NFL and really from an organization that seems like they've got their stuff together uh, and also Russell Wilson, being around Russell Wilson, how much did just that whole experience help you learn about what it might take to be a, a quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I learned like so much, you know, coming from, you know, my, my college, you know, I was a lower division one, you know, it wasn't really a pro style offense. So I had to come in and basically learn to be in a huddle. I had to learn everything. And, and Russell's one of the best to, to ever do it. So it was great just kind of sit there and, and watch him do it and, and watch how he, 
operates and everything like that. And also during, you know, OTAs and training camp, I had a Austin Davis, you know, and he was actually with um, Brian Schottenheimer in L.A. back when they were there. And so he knew the offense well, and he helped me, you know, a tremendous amount. And the quarterback coach, Dave Canales, helped me. He was really my my right hand. He kind of just sat me down and just tried to explain everything the best way he understood it. And, um, you know, I learned just an incredible amount, you know, because they brought all the practice squad with them to every game, away game, home game. And I was in every meeting, and I just got to sit there and kind of just sit back and learn and see how Russ, you know, studied the game plan, see how he did it and see how they, you know, he bro- you know, broke everything down, you know, by first down, second down, red zone, you know, what. however, you know, he did it. Um, it was really cool, and I learned a lot of, you know, veteran tips, I guess you could say, you know, veteran moves and how he how he did everything. And the way he took care of his body was another big thing that, that I took away from it. And, you know, all in all, Russ is a really good guy. He helped me, you know, as much as he could. And, you know, I thank him, you know, a lot for that. And everybody that was there was just such a good organization to be in. They all cared about everybody. It didn't matter if you were on the 53, the practice squad, the janitors, you know, they cared so much about every person in that building. And it, and it showed, I think, with how everybody acted toward everybody and um, definitely enjoyed my time there. Yeah, it looks like uh, they've got they've built a fantastic culture out there in Seattle. Alex Magoo, Jaguars quarterback, uh, joining us right now. I, w- I always wonder this. You said you had a lot to learn coming from different systems going to the NFL. Did did you learn from last year that, like, hey, I'm a 6'3 guy, 220. I can, I can throw the football. I can play in this league. I mean, I might have to still develop a bit, but give me a chance. I mean, is – is that kind of the mentality of, of a player like you that gets drafted in the seventh round, knowing that you won't get a ton of chances when the lights are on, but saying, hey, when I do, I can do this thing. Like, I fit in. I've got the skill set to do it. I, do you almost have to remind yourself of that a bit? Yeah, that that's my belief. You know, you know, all I need is a chance, and, and then it's, it's over. You know, so I just think, you know, the preseason games, you know, I, I went out and did – did my best and um obviously you know teams like that because you know had you know a bunch of teams calling after the year and um but yeah you do have to remind yourself that you know because the season's long and you know you're on the practice squad and some at some points you don't seem like you're even part of the game and it's tough to to you know to remind yourself that and like i said seattle was such a great organization that you felt like you were a part of it every second of the of the day so it was it was almost easier, you know, being there and and um, everybody around you was was uh, positive and made sure you knew or you yeah you knew that you were helping this team win and and the success of the team. So it was it was almost easier than I expected. But you know, there were some weeks where you know you had to sit yourself down and say, hey, look, you know, if, if something happens, you know, I can do this. I'm ready to go. And um and you just kind of say, look here's what I did in the preseason, you know, that I, you know, I got to do just go out there and do it again. And, and it's, it's fun almost. Cause you got to, I've never, you know, been in a situation where I wasn't playing. So it's kind of like you have to train yourself that while you're training yourself, how to be a NFL quarterback. So it's kind of like you're fighting two different things, but it's, it's, it was, it was awesome to learn. And every time that something would come up, there were so many people in the building that I could talk to and, and, you know, you could go to and, and they would be right there for you. Alex, I'm kind of curious, man. So, you know, you, you didn't go play at the Combine. You didn't go uh, meet with the coach and stuff like that. But I assume that you you talked to some scouts and whatnot, um, whether they came to your school, you maybe took some visits and stuff like that. I wanted to know, did any scouts ask you about your, your sleeve 
tattoo that you have? I mean, was that kind of a red flag for any teams? Because obviously being a quarterback, it's kind of a double standard, you know? So did any teams bring up your tattoos at all? (laughs) Uh, Actually, yeah. Uh, I know Seattle did. I know the Patriots did. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, I don't, I mean, that's just the two that I know like 100% because we had like kind of extensive talks on it. But (laughs) it was, I mean, none of, I don't think anyone, you know, particularly cared that I had a sleeve, but they just kind of wanted to know why and what each one meant and, you know, all of that. We got kind of into details about it. Sure. But, you know, it, it was just something they kind of talked about. You know, you know, you're hearing all the weird combine questions that people are getting, and I guess that was mine. Uh, Alex Magoo, Jaguars quarterback with us. Uh, we're going to let you go, but i got to ask you, Butch Davis, obviously uh, down South Florida, big deal. Uh, what was it like uh, with Butch? Uh, one of the best people, you know, that I know. He's a, He cares so much about his players, and I wouldn't even say they're his players. You know, I, I truly believe that he thinks that we're, you know, his family and his extended family, and, that, you know, that's how much he cared. He came in, and, you know, as me being a senior in his last, you know, my last year and his first year, you know, what he did, you know, for that program and the things that he did, you know, it was, it was incredible. And, you know, he put his head on the line for us so many times to get more money and to get more, you know, people to the game and, you know, whatever he could do to help us win, he did it. And one of the first things he said, and I'll never forget is he said, I'll never ask you to do something that's not for the goal of winning. And, you know, I felt like he meant that and whatever he did, I thought was, you know, to win and whatever he told me to do was only because he knew what it took to win. And, you know, it was just incredible what, what he did for me as a person and the whole team and he's, what he's still doing now, you know, and my brother plays at FIU and I couldn't be happier for him um, because I know what a, what a great coach Butch is. And, you know, I'm excited for the, the future of, of FIU. All right. Uh, lastly, uh, that's pretty good stuff. You probably play with some Jacksonville guys at FIU, I'm assuming too. Uh, Farrell McKeever. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. There you Well, there you go. Uh, uh, well, and by you said, you mentioned Jaguars. I was thinking some actually Jacksonville guys that end up Jacksonville, like, uh, oh. from the city, but I'm sure that went oh, yeah, down to yeah, FIU yeah. too. Uh, but, yeah. You, uh, one of my best friends from Jacksonville. Who's that? Uh, Sam Medlock. Oh yeah. Med- yeah, absolutely. Uh, Fletcher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fletcher. Fletcher so there you go. You got uh, you got somebody to hang around with if he's still around there in is. here. But uh, you're a, this is cool for you because you're a Tampa guy, went to school at FIU, and now you're playing some pro football in Jacksonville. Uh, there it is. Good luck to you. I'm I'm gonna I'm trying to put myself in your shoes a little bit and how this handicaps over the next week and couple months. I'm thinking if I'm you. I probably prefer the Jags get Nick Foles because that's the veteran QB, and then you can be kind of the young QB and make that 53-man roster. Sound about right? I think the organization will do what they, they want to do. <laughs> Very well said. Hey, Smart good luck move. to you, man. We'll, uh, we'll see you when everything starts up uh, probably in April, uh, definitely in OTAs in May. That sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right, uh, Alex McGoo joining us and uh, putting him on the spot right there. But yeah, what do you think did, from man. his from his perspective? I would think if he, you know, these guys intrigue me because he is seriously going to get very few opportunities. So I I don't even know how they judge these guys and grade these guys in practices because 
again, I mean, th- there's not much of a thought about it. Seattle thinks something of him, put him mm-hmm. on the practice squad. Jags thinks something of him, mm-hmm. sign him off the practice squad. But where does that land you? It's got to land you, I think, in some pretty good show-and-tell moments, hopefully in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, it, it all depends because obviously during the regular season, a lot of teams don't carry three quarterbacks. You know, a lot of teams will carry two quarterbacks. So uh, the preseason is definitely his time to shine and whatnot. Um, man, you know, it's it's crazy because, like, from my perspective, playing defensive end, you know, like there's always that shot that you could have a really good preseason game. You could go up the depth chart a little bit because you always have a chance to start, usually, depending who's in front of you. But, you know, when you're talking about the second quarterback or the third quarterback position, that's, that's always a hard thing because, you know, if Foles comes in, I mean, Foles is going to be the starter. And, like, you know, that happened a little bit, too, when we brought, like, Aaron Campman. And, I mean, it was evident that Aaron Campman was going to be the starter for the yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, Aaron Campman got hurt. So, um, man, it's got to be it's got to be a rough spot for a quarterback position. And it's one of those things where you have to be up to date on your, on your P's and Q's because you never know when your number is going to get called. It, you know? th- and so. this guy would become, like, you know, you get drafted in the seventh round. He's out in Seattle. He's on a practice squad. I mean, listen, let's be honest. Few of us have ever heard of him unless you follow FIU football uh and you you just wonder a guys like this if given the opportunity if staying in a system again he's a six it's not like he's this under a lot of times you'll get the undersized guy right the six one guy or the chase daniels kind of guy that sticks around but they just they like what he has but he might not have all the tools well this is a kid that might have the tools six three two twenty i mean that's good right that's what you want and uh see if he's got a strong arm but if he just matures for the next however many couple of years, learns the game. He's learning from Russell Wilson. That's a good starting point. Without a Does doubt. Does Nick Foles come in here and he can learn from a guy who's seen a lot of things, seven or eight years of it and experiences, and gets with John Filippo and, mm-hmm. and they all of a sudden feel by the end of training camp that, hey, this guy can be our our backup QB. If we're going to go with a young QB, why not this guy? You never know. So it, it's, that part's uh, fascinating. Uh, to me, and, and he brought I'm cheering for a man. I mean, a dude that's got a sleeve tattoos and uh, <laughs> and he does his, you know, meditation. Man, I'm a, I'm all for that. So. He went to meditation. He went to meditation. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, we didn't ask him what was on the sleeve tattoo. No, we? no, I didn't. Unfortunately, uh, the research I did did not tell me that. But why, why don't you have a sleeve tattoo? I mean, this is kind of a sleeve tattoo. Is that really qualify? Yeah, yeah. This is like I a feel like there's old too much school, uh, traditional skin. sleeve tattoo. Well, so you're thinking like the, like the shaded in part? Yeah. Uh, What's really the point, though, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you want me to color it in gray? I don't, I don't no. know. Yeah, this I, is cool. Is this a sleeve tattoo, right? You'd call my arm a sleeve tattoo. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come uh, on, Brent. I gotta get up on my sleeve tattoo definitions. We, you have to get up and get a tattoo first of all. Yeah. Still debating on that, but I won the Super Bowl, so I didn't have to. That's a good point. I, I picked w- the Patriots. We, we we didn't even go over the Super Bowl bets at all. No, you didn't fact, say anything. You, yeah, we didn't say anything, so which means you lost. You didn't have to really do much. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Whatever. Which, I'll take it. <laughs> which is not really cool. Uh, that's that's not good. Well, if, uh, if if you want to come up with something I have to do, just go ahead and tell me. Hey, tell me, uh, you just brought up uh, when, so Campman comes in, mm-hmm. he's obviously the starter, he gets hurt. Not that you're rooting for him to get hurt, but no, there's this funny all, kind of thing where like, well, he's hurt, but okay, that means opportunity for me. Well, so you have to remember when I came in 2010, it was Campman and Derek Harvey. So, uh, like I said, opportunity for me. Well, you know, but, but I'm saying, but Derek <laughs> Harvey was still playing as well. So, uh, so when Campman got hurt, then yeah, it was a mixture between uh, who was it? It was me and I think Mintz was here then. So Mintz okay, kind of yeah. took over because Mintz had the experience, and then eventually Harvey got um, benched or whatever, and then I took over Harvey's spot. Which, by the way, was a, I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. 
Harvey's one of the greatest teammates I ever had. I mean, any question I had, he was super cool. He would fill me in on things. So it wasn't like, you know, he was a seasoned vet. He wouldn't help me out at all. I mean, every question that I had, he answered, and he actually went out of his way to help me out, play defensive end. So from that standpoint, I have nothing but respect for Derek Harvey. I know it didn't work out here, but so be it. But it was funny, though, because I think it was week five or six is when I when I started to, you know, I was, I was, I was a starter on the, on the defensive line, defensive end. And the way it was set up was I was still a rookie. So I literally had to do my scout team looks. And then after scout team, I had to go run over to the first team and be at the first team defense. So right. I, I didn't get any kind of break no whatsoever because, you know, Harvey wasn't going to go on scout team, man. Like he, he you know, he, pick. He, yeah, well, he, he's, you know, I mean, he obviously had a little pride to him. So Harvey wasn't going to do scout team. So Joe Collins like, all right, you have to go play scout team, then go play the first team uh, reps, too. So that was a. Uh, that was a long rookie season for me, Joe, to say the least. Joe uh, Cullen was a Austin! Something like that. Austin! Oh, dude, don't. Did, did you watch the combat? Did you see him doing the drills? I didn't see it. Oh, man. I almost like, you should have saw, like, I had the, the shakes a little bit, man. A little PTSD <laughs> from Joe Cullen, man, because he was shouting on the camera and whatnot. I'm like, oh. I'm glad I'm not going through that anymore. We should get Joe to call in sometime. Yeah, uh, the, well, uh, good. <laughs> hey, w- one last thought about that. And again, Derek, th- to be clear, you're—I think you're right. Unless there's stuff that I didn't know about it, but Derek Harvey—I don't think he was a bad guy. He wasn't. The funny thing is, you really didn't get to know him because he did the smartest thing anybody's ever done, in my opinion, in that locker room. He did not like to talk Bio to Hummer? the media. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> he did not like to talk to the media. Yeah. And so he would say like zero mm-hmm. to the media. So he had to go about three weeks of that, mm-hmm. and then nobody went up to him. I mean, nobody would go up to him and ask him anything because he was actually, like, you couldn't get anything out of him. Yeah. A little bit like T.J. Yeldon. Yeldon did the same thing over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a smart move. If he can handle the first month, yeah. you know, it's like a diet. Like, no. if you can get by the first month, you're you're in. And, and those guys were, so I don't know if like, I never could tell you if T.J. Yeldon was a bad guy, mm-hmm. or if, or at least from a field perspective. You never really know these guys anyway, but yeah. The, the same thing with Harvey, but I will say this about Harvey. Harvey might be on the list of most forgettable Jags. Not from a busting. I'm just saying you lose. If you go through all the draft picks, people will list draft picks, and you'll forget that they drafted Derek Harvey. His Quiet career dude. was so short-lived mm-hmm. for a guy drafted in the top 10. Well, and for being you know that top 10 pick, it's like you said, he wasn't really that talkative. I mean, even in the locker room, he wasn't a really talkative guy. Uh, the only times he really would talk would... So, like, a, back in 2010 is when the, the first ba- that Batman movie came out with, with the Joker. Yeah. So, Harvey would always quote, like, from the Joker. He'd quote... He, he had, like, Heath... Uh, Ledger quotes or whatever from the Joker, so <laughs> he always made it happen to say that randomly, which is kind of funny. Oh, why are the Jags thinking on Derek Harvey? Gosh. Falling and falling. Hurricane Harve. Falling and falling. Coming up next on ESPN 690. Well, I didn't like this. Goose said, how much would you charge Austin for personalized messaging? Why didn't he ask me? Um. Yeah, I mean, Brent does have more Twitter followers than I do. Well, not only that, I mean, I just did Easy. a repeat of commercials oh, so yeah, the, moments ago. That too. Um. Yeah, because how much would Brent be uh, on Camille, you think? Well, that's what I'm trying to look at. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, who's the biggest name on there? I mean, uh, Antonio Brown's probably the biggest, and he's doing 500. No, there was uh, got to be one of the uh, Caitlyn Jenner's doing it for, I think, 1,000. Who would want a message from these people? What do you mean? Would you want a message? Do you, do you want a message from Caitlyn Jenner? I can set it up. 
No, that's what I'm asking. Hey, like, Brent, love the show. <laughs> Keep up the great work, guys. <laughs> so that's what I, just, I just put on social media. I said, what would you ask? What would you have Antonio Brown say? If I paid you 500 if I gave the $500 to Antonio Brown. Yep. And and he could have a, a personalized message. Yeah, what would I have him say? What would it be like? Easy. I would say, hey, Brett and Austin love the show, man. That's what I was going to say. I want to come to Jacksonville. Send a trade over. Give him a second-round pick That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, hey, this is Mr. Big Chest here, a.k.a. Antonio Brown. <laughs> You're listening to ESPN 690 with Brent and Austin, uh, some of the coolest dudes you're ever going to meet. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> That was that was it. Yep, that was quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. What is it? Is thirty seconds long? <laughs> Sorry. Is that the what one. It is? Is the it one. Thirty here, seconds. I don't. I don't. So I found the video, and I, I'm not sure if it's all of it, but it, it's only five seconds long. We'll just play it. I mean, this. T- here's the here's the one he did. Your birthday is here. Happy birthday. We celebrate you today. Hope your birthday is booming. <laughs> Hope your birthday is booming. It's, it's booming, Mr. Big Chest. No, there's another one where he's doing like that a wedding anniversary. Brutal, that was awful. Well, and do you know what's ironic? Uh, <laughs> do you ever watch the 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 shop with uh on on HBO with Le- LeBron uh, James? I seen, uh, I've seen so, clips of that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he's talking about um you know like players kind of doing it, like former players uh selling out and you know doing anything for a quick buck. Well, what the hell do you call that? Because that, I mean, is the ultimate form of selling out. You're wishing people happy birthdays, happy bar mitzvahs. You're wishing wedding anniversaries. Like, come on, man. But I guess 500 bucks a pop. I can't hate on it, man. Get your money. But, you know, you shouldn't throw stones. You live in a glass house. I mean, 500 bucks a pop for that. I, you can say whatever you want about me, but for sign sure. me up. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad to do it for less, actually. Can you give me an account going there? <laughs> What's that? Can, can can you set me up a, an account and we'll get it popping? Yeah, I'll see. I just need a photo or something. Send it me a would photo. just be my mom trying to pay so she can actually talk to me because I've never, you know, sometimes I don't call her. So she'll be like, oh, can you please call? And this, yeah. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> hey, yeah. We're getting, I got first calls, bubbers. I said on uh, on social media, so what, what would you, uh, what would you have them say? First calls, bubbers says, $495 is your change back, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I actually have the full. It was please 16 it. seconds now. Please play it. Let's do it again because that other that this six is seconds so was riveting, so I can only imagine about the other 10. Happy 38th birthday. <laughs> and I hear it's your second anniversary wedding. I hear you've been working really hard as a defense attorney, and your birthday is here. Happy birthday. We celebrate you today. Hope your birthday is booming. There it is. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. Hey, by the way, whoever's helping him out with this stuff, make the cue card a little bigger. It was like he was like, I think that says that. Uh, bad handwriting on that? Was, that, was that Austin's whiteboard? I assume you have to like, oh, wow. oh. I assume you have to like type it into him too. So I'm sure it's like a typed, printed out yeah. piece of paper. Well, I think I saw the video. I never had heard what he had said. but He's I saw at the, the pool. He, he's at the pool, right? Mm-hmm. He's, but he's looking... Into the sun, almost. Yeah. Oh, so you think he just had his phone out like this, oh, kind yeah. of like out in front of him? I'm sure. That is unbelievable. Five hundred dollars. I would do that. Blonde mustache and all. Of course you would do it. Who wouldn't do, I would like, do I it? I would do it. I would do it for I a dollar. Fault him for doing it. It's yeah. stupid. Like I can't believe people would pay for it. I'm trying to think of like who I would pay for. It would be cool though, like for yeah, a fantasy league. You know what I mean? Like the loser of the fantasy league. You have Antonio yeah. Brown like call in and just give you know. Heckle him for a little bit. See, I love that stuff. I'll spend stupid money on yeah. like a gag gift or something mm-hmm. like that. that that's fun. Um, so I could see that. Like if you wanted to totally, mm-hmm. 
But I'm just trying to think, like, who would say something to me that I'd be like, oh, that was awesome. That yeah. they just said, like, I mean, I, I guess some me, people use it. every single day during the ball and falling segments? <laughs> yeah, Maybe. okay. Good segue. Let's get the <laughs> no. ball in right now. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> I wasn't ready, Brent. <laughs> Come on, man. You're not ready for it. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I teased it the last segment. Weren't you All listening? Right. I kind of. What's the uh, magic whiteboard? The latest one? Oh, I said 30, 30 bucks, bucks on, on camera. camera. Cut the check. I'm down. The coup set it up. I'm in. I'm, uh, I'm looking at all the talent now on the on the site. Okay, well, find out where I rank with, with that talent, and then we'll set up a price. Maybe it's like five bucks, maybe a quarter, whatever. Maybe I'm paying people to send my own cameo video to them. We'll see. Anyways, balling. The North Dakota State Bison, because you have to say the Z, you can't say it with an S. If you uh, say it with the S, you sound like a... Uh, and you can't say Bisons, because bison. there's no such thing. Unless Good you're call. Lipscomb, Good call. who actually uses Bisons instead of Bison. Seriously? Yes. It's the Bisons? It's the Bisons. It's the Lips, Lipscomb Bisons. Now I can't stand that school even more. That's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I had no idea. Thanks for that little uh, trivia fact. Uh, You'll but, learn about it in the NCAA tournament if they win it. Anyways, the uh, North Dakota State Bison, uh, a.k.a. the Iowa Scandinavia Pipeline, were treated to a tour of the White House after winning their seventh national championship in eight years. Like the Clemson team before them, the players were treated to fast food, even though the government shutdown wasn't going on anymore. But I'm not going to hate on Donald Trump because why? He took my coaching to heart and he got Chick-fil-A and McDonald's uh, for the North Dakota State Bison. Congratulations, Bison. Uh, once again, uh, eight years, seven national championships, not a big deal. How do you, is there a, how far is that from where you grew up? Oh, it's it's a ways away. It's probably a good 10-hour drive or so. But um, I wonder what the, uh, I would think if you live up in that region, right? Mm-hmm. North, obviously North Dakota, but I'm thinking Minnesota, Wisconsin area. If you're, if you're not a Big Ten player, mm-hmm. right, or a Power Five school player, I think there's a mighty draw to North Dakota State given what they've done. Without a doubt, especially in Wisconsin, because you think about it, in Wisconsin, there's only University of Wisconsin for a scholarship school. Everything else is D3. And granted, Wisconsin has some of the best D3 football in the country. If you ever watch the championship, you always see uh, UW, Whitewater, and Oshkosh are always in the championship. So there is good D3 football there, but the kids that don't want to go play D3 that have scholarship dreams and whatnot, they usually pick North Dakota State. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is kind of a pipeline, especially in, in my school where – um, my old coach, Tim Palasek, used to be the offensive coordinator there. He had Carson Wentz back in the day. And, uh, you know, being from Iowa Scandinavia, he used to recruit some of our high school players over there to North Dakota State. I didn't get invited, unfortunately, because he wasn't there yet. But, hey, I'm not bitter at all. Murray State panned out well for me. How about this? Uh, my balling? I'm, I'm back to Bryce Harper. I, I was sick of him for a little bit. Oh, we're back. And now I'm, like, okay on him now. And I thought this was really interesting. Uh, there's a couple things coming out of it. One, he's really balling because – as I said when this came out, the $330 million will be a bargain in the long run for the Phillies. Did you see he sold, like, a record amount of jerseys? Oh, yeah. Right, in the first mm-hmm. 24, 48 hours, whatever it was. Yeah. And more than, like, LeBron, you know, and he went to the lake. That says a lot now. It does. Uh, and, and that's a good thing for baseball, right? They need the star. This was important for baseball, the more you think about it, to keep him on the East Coast. Yeah, so we can watch him. If, if Trout, Machado, and Harper – are playing in California. That would have been a disaster for baseball. I didn't think baseball enough about dark. that. Probably yeah. didn't talk about that enough. You're right. Baseball after dark could end up going in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think uh, that part was a little bit something I, or I didn't play that up a little bit more than I probably should have. But this East Coast thing's a big deal for Harper, I think. Now you have Judge and Harper on the East Coast. 
you know, and you got a ton of other stars, Mookie mm-hmm. Best. There's a lot of stars in baseball. Yep. But I'm talking about guys that can transcend the sport. And Harper's one. The uh, the jerseys say a lot. Also shows how much the Phillies fans care about baseball up there. A Philly, lot. Philly is a sports town. They Don't get them. it twisted. They you know? I mean, it doesn't matter. I, wonder, I was wondering that. Like, where do you think the Sixers fit into the mold? The, the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers. Are the Sixers the last one? Kuz, you're, you know, I mean, you're, that's your call there. Probably. Mainly because they've been the one that, in terms of success, they've been the one that was kind of the bottom yeah. for a while there. I know we have Philly fans around. 362-9901-904-362-9901. Give me the order of your teams. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I think it probably goes... Eagles are yeah, probably but I feel like when, when Iverson Phillies or Eagles and Flyers, but right? But back six, with Iverson, I mean, it was all about the seventy right. sixers. It really was. Well, they also had a guy named Doctor J. Yeah. yeah, okay, but, but that, but, too, but but since Iverson, it's been like a like you had you had Iggy there, yeah. uh, you had you know uh, you had Holiday there. So it's like, but you never had like a ton of stars. Well, like I understand you do it, now. it goes through peaks and valleys. I mean, listen, yeah. I grew up in New England. The Patriots were the there would have been a soccer team that was more popular than the Patriots <laughs> when I was growing up. Uh, I think I think the Providence Bruins were were more popular than the Patriots when I was growing up, <laughs> and now I think they rival the Red Sox. I don't think they compete with. I still don't think they beat the Red Sox in terms of fandom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, believe, think about that. Think about the success the Patriots have, the success the NFL has had, and what I just said there. Now, I guess you could debate me whether that's accurate or not, and I haven't lived up there in a while. I still think the Red Sox take the cake in New England in terms of popularity, but obviously the Patriots, with all their championships, has certainly uh, grown grown quite a following. But my other part on uh, Harper here: Did you see why they they went after Harper more so than Machado because of the fans? They thought the fans would relate to Harper better. He's that Philly would, guy. Would, would adore him, you know. Would welcome him in more than Machado. And I don't know. Again, let's be honest: Is that because he's an American player? Is that because he's not? Uh, considered like Machado sometimes considered a dirty He's player. Dirty, yeah, I mean, I've said it many times on this show, and, and I stand by those comments. I think that's got something to do with it for sure. Yeah. You remember, I, I remember when he uh, was running to first base in the in the playoffs and stepped yeah. on uh, Santana's foot. Yeah, and, that could have been nasty. Yeah. Um, on purpose, by the way. All right, so that's ball, and we got fallen still to come. At the top of the hour, we'll talk a little Florida State football, and uh, the Nick Foles conversation is always lingering. Here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hear from someone next that uh, doesn't necessarily agree that Foles will be good. And by the way, there's a lot of people in the car shaking their head. I would say the same thing. It's coming up on the show. I saw this today from the uh, Jaguars. Josh Lambeau, newly signed contract, doing a hat deal. With New Era, did you see this? I did not. With the, like you know, the, with the fedoras and oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Which, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I feel like, see, we do this thing. You're probably not aware of it because you've been, like, in the dark for years. What does it that feels mean? feels like. I don't know. Okay. I just don't know how much TV you've been watching. And if you have, you better be watching CBS 47 and Fox 30. Always, starting at 10 p.m. At, uh, every night. But did I you? Think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pick a time. Uh, but hopefully you were watching at uh, 1130 in the morning on Sundays <laughs> <Sure> during <laughs> football season. Sure not. <laughs> Countdown to kickoff. I was doing Uber. And if you were, you'd notice and know that I am the two-time defending Fight for the Fedora champion. Okay. On the show. Okay. So we take the staff, along with David Garrard, 
Yeah. And we do picks. Who, who, who always wore the, the that classic hat? That's how I came up with it. Ah, okay. Uh, so remember from the playoff game? like yep. That's like that image in the 2007 playoffs that mm-hmm. beats the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got the fedora at the podium. Yep, that was... So we come 2007, up. though. It's yep. 2019 now, but all right, keep, keep on going, though. Okay, well, so hey, the Golden Fedora well, or well, something. Well, maybe Gerard and us are a little ahead of the curve because <laughs> they Lambo a comeback? and New Era are doing uh, Fedora It's a good hats. point. Well, so, see. But Fedora's not going out of style. They haven't been. They never were. Can I of, of his Fedora? Is there like a picture of what he's going to release? I don't know, but all I'm saying is I want a fight for the Fedora one. I'm a two-time champ. Okay. I've got this Golden Fedora already. <laughs> but I want the fedora. And I'm sorry, uh, how'd you get the fedora? I should, in the I first should have place? my own line. Was it you? You picked like the winners of t- like of games or whatever. Yeah, just okay. Picks. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So is it actually like a fedora that you wear then? Or well, sometimes we'll break out the fedoras okay. during the segment. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. I'd, wear, I'd wear a Jags fedora. I, I think. can't say I, I can't say I look very good in a fedora. Unbelievable. Just a bunch of small Jags all over the fedora. I think I'd wear it. I could see Kuz rock up with like a fedora and like some Sperry shoes or something like that. I got yeah. Sperry's on right now. Sounds about right, man. How about oh, uh, just fitting every single stereotype? <laughs> the market for Antonio Brown, the Raiders have said to be in it since day one. The Cardinals said to be in it. Uh, I think uh, Rappaport's latest report is the Broncos. The the price is too much, which I told you yesterday, right? Uh, the Denver reporter had said Elway doesn't want to get in that game. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets might also be involved. It's interesting, right? If he goes to the Jets, the Raiders, or the Cardinals, while you could see there's some upside in that, there's also some, like, are they going to win big next year? Like, he said he wants to go somewhere to win. That They're not going to. That'd be a safe bet, by the way, for all uh, for Pittsburgh to send them to any of those three teams mm-hmm. would be pretty safe. Yeah. If I were the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think Arizona is interesting because what if they draft Murray? What if they, they do exactly what we've proposed on the show a couple Oof. times, right? They go trade for Antonio Brown and draft Murray, but put him next to Larry Fitzgerald along with David, David Johnson. Johnson. Now that as and you can keep him under, you know, Larry Fitzgerald can babysit him or at least do the best he can to babysit him. Yeah. And because I don't know if you want to put a young quarterback in the situation with Antonio Brown that could get volatile. But with Larry Fitzgerald there, you kind of feel safe. So Arizona is intriguing. Well, it's it's funny, too. Did you see Larry Fitzgerald kind of called out? I did, Antonio yeah. Bro- First I did. of all, Larry Fitzgerald, like the most humble human yeah. being on the planet, had words for Antonio Brown basically just saying, hey, man, he played at Ben Roethlisberger. Like, you should be thankful. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald has played with Sean King. and yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, Kurt Warner was good. Um, Derek Anderson, like, was like, dude, Larry Fitzgerald's played with some, no offense, but some pretty bad quarterbacks. He has, and, and that was, I think, I think his comment was more about, dude, I'll sign me up for better. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, what are you right, like, complaining decade? about, man? Look what I've done <laughs> for the past, you know, whatever, 10 years of my career. So I want to ask you, because we haven't talked about it really yet, are you still on board the Antonio Brown train with all the distractions that are still coming in and whatnot? Do you still want him to play for the Jaguars? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I would trade for him. Uh, now, again, listen, there's a price. I, it sounds like if there's a big enough market, the price is going up, and I would be, I, obviously, I, I wouldn't just throw anything at the Antonio Brown deal, but... I will continually say this. There's two things, two thoughts for me about Antonio Brown. And you have to remember, you're putting me in the Jags headquarters where my job might be on the line. And there, we always talk quarterbacks. We are not talking enough about lack of weapons. We've been saying that for months now. And you fix the weapon problem and you do it in a big way if you have Antonio Brown because what that does to D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, D.J. Chark, 
anybody else on that offense to have Antonio Brown and the attention he might draw would be fantastic from a from a Sunday afternoon perspective. The the other side of you know, so you do that for the weapon part well, of it. Of, I mean, there's no question and, and about the it. now part of it. A talented receiver. We can all agree on that. And and then the other part of it, which I almost lost my train of thought for a second, but I got it back. I uh, rescued it. Is I don't – can you name me a single player available, draft or free agency, on the offensive side of the football that would change your team more than Antonio Brown? No, you can't. But people say the same thing about Terrell Owens, too, and how'd that pan out? So I'm saying which stop the one who went to the Super Bowl with Philly? No, let's talk about the next stop after that. (laughs) But no, but my point is this: even if the guy says, "If a new team won't play by my rules, I don't have to play at all," you're still going to bring that guy in. No, don't. Do you think Antonio? Don't destroy that Antonio. You believe in Antonio Brown? I mean, you almost have to. This is all posturing on Antonio Brown's part. Why would he say that though? I, I don't know why well, he says half the stuff he says, no, but true. I do believe that the guy wants to play football. Mustache. Well, I, I'd hope so. You know, I just it, it's weird his his transition in the NFL. You know, I mean, he's it seemed like he was like a humble guy coming from a small school. Yeah. Uh, and don't get me wrong, he's still a hard worker. Chip I mean, on his shoulder. Yeah, story. chip on his shoulder, and right. all of a sudden something happened where now we have like this outspoken, you know, like this fashionable blonde mustache, blue dread hanging from his hair. It's just. I'm not really sure what happened to him. Um, it's, t- it's today's athlete in a way that he's, in a sense, I think, because the brand is bigger than the than everything else. And also, and he's buying into that. And on top of that, I think he he still, that chip stays with you, even when you've had success. And now, especially when he's getting a lot of blame for what went on in Pittsburgh, I think from a principal standpoint, from a, it might not be the smart move, but I think he's still trying to fight his way out of that paper bag of saying, why did you you guys cornered me? You said I'm the problem, and you're wrong about that, and he believes he's not, so he's trying to fight his way out. I'm the, again, none of it makes sense. What makes sense to me is Sunday afternoon here in Jacksonville, well, Florida, and I've got a quarterback that needs to throw to somebody other than what they have. Well, to teams, I mean, dude, he's put up some red flags. You look at the San Francisco 49ers, who we thought would have been a great spot for him to go play a, 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 a team that's a few players away from actually being NFC title contenders. And San Francisco straight out came out and said, we don't want him. Yeah. And, we and want nothing to do with him. I get and it. And that's a team that could benefit from him the most. Why well, not about the most? Well, w- one of the top uh, – I'm talking about a team that can bring in they a, could, a bona fide wide receiver and be dynamic. And they yes. have the ability to do so. Yeah. Again, I just think you're looking at a guy that's got $12 million, $12 million bucks for maybe the best receiver in the game. Again, I'll remind people, he's averaged over the last six years, averaged 1,500 yards a year and 12 touchdowns. That's some pretty good stuff. All right, uh, got to do falling. Okay. Oh, I'm going to yeah. give you my oh. fallen first. Okay. Okay. Yep. Because I want I'm going to tie this into a little news topic. Okay. Just came out. Okay. Full comment. Fallen is potentially Kyler Murray. Okay. You see these comments from Charlie Casserly? I have not. And I want you to bring you back to either Friday's conversation or maybe it was, I think it was Friday's conversation when I came back from the combine, mm-hmm. where he struggled in interviews. Right. Yeah, remember I said, said that? that? Yeah, you did. All right. So here's Charlie Casserly from NFL Network. He better hope Cliff Kingsbury takes him number one because this was not good. These were the worst comments I ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this for a long time. Leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. The board work, below not good. Not good at all in any of those areas. Raising major concerns about what this guy is going to do. 
Now, people will say we're going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. We're going to run an offense like Mahomes. We're going to run an offense like Baker Mayfield. But those guys are a bunch of different. Those guys, you never question them about their ability on the board. You never question their leadership ability, their work habits. They were outstanding in those areas. This guy is not outstanding in those areas, and it showed up in the interview. Dang. That was the word at the combine last week, and now Charlie Casserly's sharing those comments. That is big stuff. Is Cliff Kingsbury going to take the chance on that? Is any team going to take a chance on that? Yes, eventually. But mm-hmm. it was not good. I'm telling you, Kyler Murray, by the time the draft runs around, while everybody else has him number one and 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 people trading up for him, don't be surprised if it goes the opposite way, which mm-hmm. means someone from a perception and public relations standpoint could get a huge, huge bump in terms of where they draft this guy if he yeah. does fall. But there are more people than one that think Charlie Casserly is right about this. It makes me wonder if the Arizona Cardinals are just, you know, b- bluffing the whole time and just trying to get someone to trade up and be, d- I don't want to say dumb enough, but, you know, naive enough to take the number one pick from him and uh, try to take Kyler Murray. Yeah, interesting. You didn't do your ball yet. You will when you come back. Oh, yeah, because it's, uh, it's, yep. it's a sad one, Oh boy. Folks. And we talk Florida State football next on the show, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN. 690. Come with us, Knowles. All right, a busy 5 o'clock hour to come. Stay in your lane. On the way, some FSU football talk in just a moment. But before we do that, I got to my balling and falling. You never got to your falling quickly. Falling. All right, man. Steroids, Brent. Oh, they're boy. everywhere and they're destroying sports. I thought we didn't drug football, test in radio. I'm okay. Baseball, I <laughs> MMA, bike racing, any sport. A Russian uh, athlete did at the Olympics. Tell me sports steroids. No. But it's officially gone too far because the world's number one bridge player, Gear Helgmo, has tested positive for testosterone boosting in the bridge community, <laughs> is absolutely rocked by this disgrace. I'm more shocked that there's actually drug testing in the bridge community. Uh, I'm not sure what bridge even is. I think it's an old game that grandmas play at retirement homes. But um, it's time to start testing the grandmas, too, because testosterone and bridge, it's like peanut butter and jelly, man, and we got to put an end to it. All right, well, uh, bridge... And cribbage probably go together. Maybe. So I thought because you played cribbage, then your uh, the bridge would also be part of it. Oh, no. The, I guess the, bridge happen. is something different. Yeah. I don't know what bridge is. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> anyone, there's enough of that time. call in and talk some bridge, call in to ESPN yeah, yeah. 690. Well, yeah. No, I'm kidding. Especially at 5 o'clock. <laughs> Perfect yeah. timing. Yep. Now, let's talk football instead at 5. Let's go to Tallahassee. Florida State football. Uh, tumultuous times at times in tally under Willie Taggart. Be glad to be joined by uh, Tashawn Reed right now from The Athletic, who covers the Florida State football team on a day-to-day basis. Spring practice underway yesterday. Hey, man, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. All right, give us the vibe, because you know what it's like outside of Tallahassee. After last year, the disaster that it was, and then, of course, the recruiting, where for a second straight year, didn't even bring in a quarterback. Um, what is the vibe with what's happening under Willie Taggart in year two? I think there's just a, a constant push overall from everybody, from the coaches to the players, just trying to spread a message of, of positivity and, and optimism, which, you know, is, is kind of hard to get people to buy into after how the, the season went, but that's what they're doing at this point. Um, I think, you know, especially with the with how the quarterback situation is playing out, I and mean, you kind of mentioned that, it has a lot of people concerned. You know, the way the offensive line looked last year, that has a lot of people concerned, but I think you know, there is a little bit of optimism coming back alone that this team can turn it around and be a little bit, you know, it'll be at least a bowl team again next year. 
um, just the vibe from the first practice. Uh, I mean, there were small things, you know, that people made a big deal of, you know, maybe they, they weren't playing music for the whole practice and that kind of thing. Those kind of, you know, small things or, or you know, whatever. But just in general, um, you know, from the press conferences to the way they're interacting on the field, they're just trying to change the direction a little bit, I guess you could say. Hey there, to Sean Austin Lane here. Um, listen, so it's like you said, no music at practice. Have you noticed kind of a culture change this year as opposed to last year? I mean, it's only one practice, so it's it's kind of hard to tell. But are you kind of gathering the fact that maybe they are taking things a little more seriously now because it is such a big season for them to win some games? Yeah, like you said, it's a little bit early to tell, but I do think that kind of I think that kind of started, you know, last month or, or January, I should say, when when DeAndre Francois was dismissed from the team. It kind of set a message and a tone, I would say, for, for how things are going to go this year. You know, even though things may not have gone how they would have liked on National Signing Day, they still kind of already put in that, you know, message that, you know, certain things aren't going to be tolerated and things are going to be – people are going to be held to a certain standard, you know, even if they are the starting quarterback on the team. Uh, so I think from that aspect you can say that. It's just a matter of do you just sustain that, you know, just not only through spring camp but into the summer and then – the beginning of the season, you know, if you lose your first game, lose your first couple games, does, does that culture change? Does it disappear? Does it go away then? So I think the thing to kind of watch going forward is do those changes that they've started to make, do they last? You have a story out uh, today in The Athletic uh, about Tamari and Terry, who's coming off a big year, shows a lot of promise. I mean, wow, I mean, this guy looks like he's legit, legit. And that can only help James Blackman. Uh, what else do they have in the passing game in Tallahassee that, that has some people fired up? I think their second best option, I would say, is DJ Matthews um, in the slot. Last year, he started a little bit behind Nooney Murray, who's mm -hmm. trying to get drafted right now, but he kind of came on a little bit stronger than people anticipated. You know, he's kind of known as a return guy, but he started to make a little bit more plays in the actual passing game. Uh, so I'd say he's probably next in line. And then beyond that, there's honestly a big opportunity for someone else to step up because they, they have a ton of young guys at receiver, I, I believe nine of their 11 receivers that they have on the roster are underclassmen right now. So it's kind of a bunch of guys kind of bundled together, if that makes sense. And so they're kind of looking for somebody to separate themselves, you know, in the next few weeks and then later on once the season starts. DJ Matthews, of course, a Jacksonville guy. So we've been keeping tabs on him. He's had some nice moments uh, for the Seminoles, but maybe a bigger role this year, it sounds like, uh, according to Sean Reed, who's with us from The Athletic. Another thing I wanted to know, too, obviously it's a, it's the first practice, so it's hard to tell. But from what I was reading – um, there were some, you know, some talkings that there's going to be a three-four defense shift this year. Where there was actually some f defensive formations that were three-four um, in practice. Any truth to that? Where maybe they're going to go in a three-four direction? Obviously, when it comes to defense in college football, there's different looks, different shades, and whatnot. But is this a team that's going to actually go in a traditional three-four defense, or is it more of just like a scheme kind of thing right now? No, I don't think they're going to change it. I think their base is still going to be the four-three. But what they had was they would have one of the edge rushers kind of stand up and drop back a little bit. But they didn't really drop back in coverage. They would just drop back and then rush anyway. Um, that's something that they did kind of under Jimbo Fisher the year before. Uh, they kind of used Brian Burns like that. And even last year there were times, like rare occasions when they would do it. Um, so they may start using that a little bit more, but I don't see them you know, becoming a team that all the way flips to 3-4 just because that's, that's something that Harlan Burnett's ever really been.
Well, I tell you what, the defensive side of the ball, all the pressure's off them anyway. I mean, I know eventually it can get back on them, but everybody's talking about <laughs> offense in Tallahassee. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating from the outside to me because Willie Taggart, known as a recruiter, known as a good guy. I mean, we were there last August. I'll never forget this part of the Willie Taggart era, and we'll see where it goes. But there was so much excitement last year, Tashawn, when we were there for media day in August or late July, whatever it was with Florida State and these players, and they just love Taggart, and they couldn't wait for this offense, and they were so excited about it. And, you know, listen, everybody does that with new. I get it. But then for it to flop the way it flopped, especially on offense and all these different things, I mean, it was just shocking to me to see that dynamic, the way it played out over a couple-month stretch. That being said, he brings in new coaches, Kendall Bryles especially. Whose offense will it be? in 2019 is it willie taggart's is it bryles or will they somehow try to mesh this thing together it'll be kendall bryles offense um you know they they made him they went out as soon as he was hired they made it clear you know he's going to be the primary play caller you know they're bringing him in they're paying him a million dollars a year so they're bringing him <laughs> in to run the offense you know the way he's run it you know the last couple of years at houston and in florida atlantic um as far as meshing together uh, something that Willie Tiger has mentioned a couple times is when he, you know, kind of revolutionized his offense and it kind of became popular in South Florida. One of the people that he learned from the most were Kendall Browse and his dad at Baylor. And so he based a lot of the principles of his offense, you know, the Gulf Coast offense based off of what Kendall Browse already does. And so even James Blackman yesterday, uh, he said, you know, it's pretty much the same offense. So this is going to be Kendall's Browse offense, but it's not going to be dramatically different when it comes to what they actually do. It's still a lot of 11 personnel, you know, spread offense. It's a, it's a little bit more balanced than Florida State was last year. Um, but that was also a factor just because they were playing from behind so often. Um, but, I mean, regardless of, you know, whoever was calling the plays or what system you have, when the offensive line, you know, was, was as bad as it was last year, it pretty much doesn't matter, you know, what you're calling. I mean, you don't have any time at all for the quarterback to drop back longer than a second or two before he's getting hit. You know, the running backs, I think, almost – all of their yardage the past year came after contact. I think they maybe had 20 yards before contact last year. So when the offensive line is playing like that, you know, it really doesn't matter who you got back there. Yeah, I'm well, it, it took me a while to get to it, I know. And by the way, have you ever done an interview where it's taken this long to get to a question about the quarterback? That's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I know people know about the Blackman stuff and everything. I want to get to some of the other things uh, before getting back to Blackman. And before I even do that, I want to get to this offensive line because – you know, this was not a Willie Taggart problem alone. This was a Jimbo Fat Fisher problem, even when he was there. And even when they had some success, this offensive line has not been good in a very, very long time. Now, it was atrocious again last year. The only thing that we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show, it looks like Florida State has at least numbers. They have people they can roll out there. What's the confidence level, though, in that offensive line that it will be much improved? Just from the fan base in general, I think they're still a little bit pessimistic because, you know, while they did bring in six, seven new players, there was only one of them that's one of those, you know, blue-chip, four-star, five-star type guys, and that's Dante Lucas at IMG Academy. Um, and so it's kind of like a wait-and-see approach. You know, a lot of the – three or four of the guys aren't even on campus yet. And so I, I want to tweet it out the, the starting offensive line they had the other day. Everybody was freaking out. And it's like, you know, they have, you just have to give it some time. You know, they have some guys that they're picking up the speed, some guys that aren't even on the team or with the team yet. 
And so that's just going to be kind of like a wait-and-see thing. Um, as far as what the team is saying, you know, everybody's going to say, you know, we, we never lost confidence in their guys. But, you know, you get, at some point you have to look at what they were doing on the field last year. And I think there's going to be a few different faces in the starting lineup just naturally since they lost two starters to graduation. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of change along the offensive line. And, but I guess we really won't know, you know, if it's gotten any better or not until they start off the season against Boise State. Yeah, it's just the way it happens, of course. And by the way, that game against Boise State right here in Jacksonville, Florida, to get it going, that'll be a big one for Florida State to get some early momentum in 2019 and really big, it would seem, for Willie Taggart. Okay, now to the QB spot and James Blackman. Isn't it funny, with all the problems they've had at quarterback in the last, say, calendar year, with the recruiting trail, all of that that everybody's really talking about, the fan base actually gets, at least from my perspective, the guy they want under center. They they were calling for James Blackman under center most of last year. At least that's what I heard. And now they get Blackman, a guy with some experience. How do you think it will work out for James Blackman in 2019? I think it's set up to have a pretty good year. As I know we just talked about it, but it all kind of goes back to, you know, whether the yeah. offensive line protects him, especially with him being, you know, DeAndre Francois obviously took a beating last year, but he's, you know, 15, 20 pounds heavier than, than what James Blackman is at least. Yeah, and he's a tough and kid so, too. Yeah, and so, but it, as you kind of said, it was kind of interesting to me just to see how outraged everybody was at the quarterback situation when last season I can't count how many times I thought, start James Blackman, start James Blackman, and now he's starting. And now it's like the world is caving in, you know. So yeah. I, th- I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it because he's never really entered a season knowing he's going to be the starter like this. Even his freshman year, you know, it's because DeAndre Francois got hurt. Then last year, you know, he was in the running, but then he got, he lost a job and knew that he wasn't going to play. So this year is going to be the first year where he kind of knows he's the guy, you know, because he's the only scholarship quarterback on the roster right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see if that changes. You know, because pressure, you know, can can change things a little bit. You know, even though he's shown, you know, he's been able to perform in high leverage situations, and you know, he got him to a bowl game and actually won a bowl game. You know, things can be a little bit different coming off of missing the first bowl game in you know almost 40 years, and with everybody you know looking for some kind of improvement from Willie Tiger in the second year. So it would be interesting to see, but everything's there for him to have a good solid year. Speaking of improvement. Talk about Cam Akers a little bit. A guy that came in last year, kind of underachieved a little bit. What's the hype around him this year? I mean, can he finally be that star recruit that everyone was talking about? Do you see him making some strides this year? I do, just because I think, you know, even though we kind of talked about I think the offensive line is going to improve. So I think he'll have a little bit more room to run than he did last year. Um, I know a lot of people were disappointed with him last year. You know, before the season, you even heard his name in some dark horse Heisman candidates, and then he never really clicked for him throughout the season last year. Heck, I didn't think um, they gave him really... the ball enough. Yeah, <laughs> just, they, for one, like you said, they only give him about 12 or 13 carries a game, which is a little bit odd. Um, and then even this year, you know, coming back in, there's been a lot of talk about Kalen Laybourne, who missed most of last season with an injury. Mm-hmm. I've seen some people start to ask for him to have the job instead, so that he might still have a little bit of a split load. So I, I do think the pressure is kind of on him this year, because if he doesn't produce and, you know, if it's not on the offensive line like it was last year, he could start to see some of his carries start going Kalen Laybourne's way. Yeah, well, he's got home run potential, that's for sure. I, I mean, 
I, I remember seeing him in the spring game that first year, that first spring. I was like, oh, this guy's going to be good. And so I think there's still yeah. a lot in the tank for Cam Akers if they can just figure it out. Everything was bad last year at Florida State. Hopefully it gets better uh, for the Noles. Deshaun Reed from uh, The Athletic has some good stories up there right now. And tomorrow and Terry and also on James Blackman. Go check out The Athletic. I think they do a nice job. And uh, Deshaun, we appreciate you checking in. Hopefully we can do this uh, a lot more as we get closer and closer to football season. One last thing. You're a Missouri guy. If Haskins and Murray are off the board, should the Jags look at Drew Locke? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Even if they, even if they, I know it's all the Nick Foles thing coming in, but you need a younger guy, kind of come in and develop. And I think that's what Drew Locke kind of needs. You know, I don't think if he starts right away, I think that can kind of throw his career off track. But I think if you can sit behind, you know, Nick Foles or wherever they end up with a quarterback. I think that could be a good pick that turns out great for him down the FSU beat and a little draft coverage to Sean Reed. Nice catching up with you, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, we'll do that much, much more uh, to Sean Reed from The Athletic. Go check out uh, his stuff uh, on theathletic.com. And, by the way, Drew Locke turned more heads at the Combine. Quiet story, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people talking about it. We were there at the Senior Bowl. Turn, I'm telling you, he's a guy that was going to help his draft stock in the meeting rooms, the interviews. We we kind of sensed that, right, in Mobile? No, for sure. I'm just trying not to sneeze right now. I had a sneeze in that whole interview. Did you really? I was talking to him, and then it went away, and now it's starting to come back again. But so. you can always just turn the mic right off. See that button? Just turn the mic off and then go in the corner. See, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm still learning, man. <clears throat> but, yes, Drew Locke, definitely a lot of potential. Go there. sneeze. I'm Just trying to. I'm trying to get it out. God bless you. When we come back, stay in your lane and... Maybe a little therapy session for me. Next on ESPN 690. Robert called in and said, leave Drew Locke to the Miami Dolphins. Might not be a bad pickup. I don't love Drew Locke, but I don't mind Drew Locke. As a first-round pick? Oh, yeah. No, he's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay. He'll be a first-round pick. So, uh, so do you see four quarterbacks going the first round? Yeah, probably. Daniel Jones. Patriots getting Daniel Jones. I don't know if it's Patriots, but But. I I, I would think late first round value for Daniel Jones is probably pretty good. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. again, keep in mind, if you get him in the first round, too, from a quarterback perspective, especially where salaries are, if it turns out, you control him for an extra year in the first round because of the fifth year option. Mm -hmm. So that makes it almost worth jumping up. Again, if you really like the guy, you know, I think Baltimore jumped into that. Second round, that first round last year to get Lamar Jackson, partly because they liked him and they could, but also because if you get him in that first round, you get to control him an extra year if things you know work in the favor. So sure. that makes sense. All right, I got a little uh, uh, a little therapy session Should we here. Play some music or before something before stay in your lane. Should we play some Anya? Probably not, but I, I got to take you back to <laughs> Sunday. This okay. is a Sunday thing, but I'm still not fully over this. So. Everybody's dri- anybody who's been driving, a ton of people driving right now. They, you, how many like near accidents have you got in? In Jacksonville? Or just in general, like in your life, a lot, right? You've been in a few accidents in a, in a car. Oh, well, yeah. In general, like I have too. Like, yeah, I've been yeah. in a few. Yeah, I've been in a few pretty serious ones. Um, I had one like more serious than the other, but mm-hmm. still fortunate to not be too serious. Um, but but I've been in a few. They happen. So I'm coming off. I'm on 295. I'm going out towards Cecil to watch Kaylee play ball uh, out at the, you know, where the equestrian center is out there, Cecil Field, all that stuff. Okay. It's kind of west side. Gotcha. Uh, kind of far out for, for us, but not, not too far out for everybody in, in the Jacksonville area. If you're coming from St. John's County, it's a good 40-minute ride. But 295, getting off 103rd Street, mm-hmm. taking a left. So 
hundred we're at the red light, hundred and third street. It's two lanes. We get a green light. We, we're stopped. We get a green light, and we start to go. Well, fortunately, both me and the car next to me, and I give a lot of credit to the car next to me. I have no idea how they saw this. Maybe he stopped because I stopped. I have no idea. This guy is flying through that red light. I mean, this isn't Dang. like uh, you don't think. This isn't like this is someone that probably just totally like blacked out for a second and, and didn't think that it was a red light. But, I don't think that uh, maybe you never know if it's texting. Like well, I'm not claiming it. Say. It's like 11 in the morning. I'm not claiming it's like a drunk driver type of situation. Yeah. But either way, I'm ta- I'm telling telling you flying through, and we just like both stop <sighs> and doesn't hit us, just misses us. Yeah. But it was one of those moments where seven minutes down the road. Like, I wasn't shaking. I don't want to say shaking. But I was still, like, I could feel it, like, in my legs. I could feel it everywhere. It was like, that was not going to be good. Yeah. That result was not going. Like, I know for a fact I'd be, be in the hospital still at, at the least right mm-hmm. now. And, I, listen, people get in accidents every day. It's, it's dangerous driving. It's 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 more dangerous than ever driving because of the phones and everything else. And people get in severe accidents, and you hate to see them. And you just hope that you don't get in one. Mm-hmm. But it's like. I was like, still, I can like still feel it. Like you can picture yourself right there and then nothing even happened. Like it didn't, but you want to at that moment, like if you wonder where I'm not, I'm not uh, encouraging road rage, but if you want to know like where road rage comes into play, like in that situation, you would have loved to have been able to track that guy down and just be like, Hey man, what the heck? What's up? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, but like, I seriously, I haven't felt that. I think I've probably felt it a few times where it's kind of, Ooh, that was close. Mm Mm-hmm. This thing was so close, and it was my driver's side door. Oof. So I was just going to get blasted. You would have blasted. the engine sitting in your lap, basically, yeah, from the and, other and driver. Yeah, and it was like, I'm telling you, dude, it was like 40, 45 miles an hour down 103rd Street. Not even, they, had, they were oblivious what kind of car to was, the red light. Yeah. Oblivious to the red light. Man. And so uh, it was close. Like, we just all stopped in the yeah. intersection. Yeah. And, and everybody, like, I almost felt like we all wanted to get out and be like, dang, that was close. Well, <laughs> and I'm just speaking for myself here, but obviously, I mean, I'm sure we, we've all had close calls and stuff. But it, it's amazing, like, what your body does when you have a close call. Because, yeah. like, like, to me, like, I get, like, the tingles or whatever. That's what it was. It was yeah, more tingles it's than weird. shakes. Yeah. It, like, it's, all the way down my legs, I could yeah. still feel it, like, five minutes later at a red light. I was like... Wow, this thing like still bothering me. And the only time I've ever really felt that is with within cars, like you know, close to close car car accidents, things like that. Like even like playing football or MMA, like I, I don't get that type of feeling. Whatever reason, it's a, when you're in a car and it's a close call, like your body just goes through something, man. And it's like you said, uh, even if a couple minutes later you're still kind of shaken up about it. So, well, so there it is. I got it off my. And hopefully now I can move on. Well, Sleep yeah. a little better. Oh, and and I, the, I the, the moral of the story to go. So the moral of the story is drive safe, people. Drive safe. safe. I know it's it's hard. It's it's you got to get lucky on the road sometimes. Yeah, you really do. No, I mean, we get bad accidents around here. We're in the 95 corridor. You know, it's it's awful. I mean, we have traffic cameras down on the TV side and some of the some of the wrecks and stuff. Man. And listen, um, so drive safe. I'm not going to give a PSA about, you know, uh, be on your cell phone when you're driving, but it, it is an epidemic problem. And oh, it is people, a problem. People got to, you know, I've always said this about it. OK. Uh, and listen, this is not going to be self-righteous, Brent. I am guilty of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying. I'm guilty of it. Try to do it as little as possible, no. but I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't. And, but th- thankfully, now I was not doing it at, at there. It's good because I even checked because myself. I'm like, wait a minute, was I not paying attention? Yeah. You know, and I was like, no, I didn't even have a phone near me. Had seatbelt on, all that stuff. So I, I had the, the stuff covered. But I always say this about the 
will we get to a point in cars and because the phone stuff isn't going away, instead it might be more prevalent, that somebody comes up with a way to use them more smartly in your car. Yeah. You know what? And it's dangerous because right now the, the movement, which I agree with, is put it down. Mm-hmm. Save the te- you know save the text but you can look at it in five and that's it's a I agree it should be like the billboards are smart the campaigns are smart but I just wonder if we get to a point at some time where it crosses into you know what we are not going to fix this so let's find a smarter way for people to use them like in their own cars. Or it maybe, sounds ridiculous, right? No, it but, does, but, but uh, that's the way we're going. Like maybe even some kind of technology where you can't use it at all. For instance, like shut it off, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, so, so, so like maybe I like, thought of that. Well, yeah. So like maybe like your cell phone's connected to your car, where if you take your cell phone like off like this mat, um, then your car shuts off. Um, yeah. Maybe like not that extreme, but like something like that, where if you take like your phone off like the console on your car, then your car like stops. Absolutely, running. like you can't do it, and then. Then maybe it's like a golf cart. You ever play, yeah, if you yeah, play golf yeah, and you get close talking. to the green and it just shuts down? Yep. Like something like that? Yeah. Where I wouldn't be – now, see, they were going to get into all these rights issues and all this stuff. No, I know sure. it. But I'm telling you, I'm about to hit a new level of this probably in a few years when my kids start driving. And so then you'll even be more aware of it and yeah. probably more campaign against it. But that's like not a terrible idea. And then what if you just build, like, every car has, like, the OnStar or whatever technology. Mm-hmm. Instead of paying for it, it just has it in it. Because what people would say is, well, then I can't. What if I need to call Someone 911? Call. Yeah, or what if yeah, I need to yeah. do? Well, then you'd always be able to call in every car. Yep. Zero zero excuses then. What we're we're on to something. I think we are, man. Let's go ahead and copyright solving, that right now. This is a sports show solving the world's problems. That, that we are, man. And we now I feel a lot better. Thanks I'm for glad. letting me get off my chest. Stay in your lane. Still to come. And back to some Nick Foles talk, and I think even Stuart Weber's stopping by, which means the hair song should be queued up next on ESPN 690. Fred Martin along with Austin Lane, Coos at Action Sports Shack. Stuart Weber has entered the fray. <laughs> Another good hair day, head by all. Hey, I'm busy hey Weber, $30,000 when you cut off your hair. Yes. He, he, Mine will grow back really Brent, quickly. It's it's not about the money, man. It's it's cutting off a part of you. You made a bad decision. It's about the money. I made for a bad me. decision. Yeah. yeah. Why did I make a bad decision? Because you passed up thirty thousand dollars. So what? It's just money, man. It's all good. I could use. How much 30, were you making dollars. that rookie year? <laughs> Uh well probably like four forty would have made a lot more if my if I would have got my rookie bonus but since the lockout came around uh, I didn't qualify for it that's BS which and yeah to to, uh, to kind of explain the whole situation I would have made more with my rookie bonus because I was a fifth round pick started twelve games I would have made more of a rookie bonus than I did the whole season plus my signing bonus but um so how much like, what the rookie of? bonus yeah uh, it would have been like three. Really? Probably. I think two fifty. Yeah. Three. And because of the lockout, they didn't give you that. Nope. Why? Why was that part of it? I don't it's get. Part it. of the CBA. That's what what they initiated. Like if there's a lockout, rookies won't get a bonus. I guess so. I don't know. That's mm. odd. That's weird. Like Sucks, I can see right? if you missed the whole year, but you guys were playing like you only. No. So okay. So my my first season obviously wasn't the lockout. So my first season was 2010. Going into the 2011 season was was the lockout. So okay. everything that happened in 2010 season was brought up in the lockout. Okay, okay. So it would have been going to my second year when the lockout happened, 
and then it's when the rookie contracts got discussed because oh, we don't. Okay. So they we eliminated don't get them from the new yeah, CBA. Yeah, because we, 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 didn't, we, don't, we don't get them right away after the season's over. Okay. We have to wait a little bit. So so they <laughs> that's they should have grandfathered it in going into 2011. Yeah. I mean, you players can be so dumb in the CBA stuff. Oh, geez, I mean, what the Whoa. hell? There's a, there's a loaded hey. statement. Wow. I mean, seriously, Whoa. you screwed yourself at times. Careful, man. <laughs> Careful now. Steady. I mean, why would they not grandfather? They they screwed. See, that's what they do. See, all these top players, they screw the young guy. I Brent, always say that. What did I say about the CBA and the problem was that the, the players were not on the same page? That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to call anybody out. not like, going to talk anybody down. That's what I'm here for. That's what you're here for. But uh, I'm going to need you to mind your P's and Q's about my <laughs> NFL players. Please. I'm going to ask just, you nicely. All right. I, hey, I'm going to ask you nicely, Brent. That part is fine. I'm just going to bat for the young players. The rookies shouldn't have got screwed that year. And young players Brent, still you, to this day. I agree. <laughs> young players, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, young players, even to this day, to me, don't make enough money. They should make more money. Nor do young broadcasters. No, that's true, too. Uh, that is true. Yep. All right, Weber, you were up uh, in Camden County today. Yeah. The Apollos. Not to see the Wildcats, but instead to see the Apollos. A little weird being there during the daytime. Yeah, I bet. Seeing them practice. And, you know, we go up there for the Friday night football quite often uh, for the Blitz during the fall. But, uh, yeah, the Apollos, of course, as we've documented on this show, are practicing in Georgia, staying in downtown Jacksonville. Uh, but practicing in Georgia in order to get workers' comp for their players. So kind of like that, you know, league going going to bat for, for those players to get them a, a a nice little little bump. And, uh, yeah, good for them. Orlando's so, hot. They're 4-0. 4-0, best team in the league, only undefeated team in the league. Uh, it was supposed to be an undefeated clash this week against the Birmingham Iron, but uh, they did not hold up their end this past week. R- r- a super solid jerseys, too, for the Birmingham Iron. Have you seen their jerseys, their yeah, uniforms? I did. Yeah, you I like, like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right. A little black on black. I was going to ask you, though, uh, Stuart, so as far as practices, I mean, are they high intensity? Is it more laid back? I mean, it's it's Tuesday, so. Yeah, it's Tuesday, they a couple days. so they didn't have pads on. Okay. Um, and Lay, Laid back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I that say that's, yeah. that's fair, but it's the start of the week for them. So yeah. I, I would guess that what tomorrow, the Wednesday is probably the hard day for them if I had to, if I had to guess. But yeah, you know they're they're preparing, and, and it looked a lot like you know NFL practices that we go to where they're just running individual drills and running some team, doing some special teams, just you know going through the paces. And it, it felt like I was back in the fall, you know, doing it covering Jags practice. Got to shoot the first, you know, 45 minutes of it while they were an individual and then didn't get, you know, take the camera off the tripod, point it the other way, make sure they know you're not rolling on them. And uh, off they went. Although it, it was less 11 on 11, more offense to their side, defense to their side. They were they stayed pretty split the whole time. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the AAF numbers, by the way, uh, were, I think, down a little bit in week number four, but they've hovered about half a million people each night for that primetime game, which I, I don't know what. I don't know what that means in the landscape. I think half a million people, people sounds like a decent number. It's not a huge number. Keep in mind, you got to go find that on NFL Network, CBS Sports. I think it's going to be a little tougher, CBS Sports Network, yeah. not CBS Sports Sports. Um, this this week's going, game, by the way, on TNT for the Apollo. Okay, so then you really have to go find it. So yeah. I, I just think, and now it's going to get engulfed a bit more by bigger March golf, Madness. March Madness, yeah. uh, NFL free agency, and you know, so it's just not top of mind. So it'll be an interesting couple of months. 
I think if they were able to come up with something with CBS or NBC or ABC, now you're putting it out there on a platform that even on a bad day is going to give you probably a million, million and a half people. Mm -hmm. And so that's still the goal. I wonder where it is right now in terms of the executives of, hey, this has been okay. At least they're holding steady. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing. I'm curious what that infusion of cash came from the the Carolina Hurricanes owner. I'm wondering how much that played a role in where they're at right now or if they changed anything or what they did with that. Yeah, that'll. I'm or if that was just to keep them going, to keep them afloat, as some of the media reports were saying. So, uh, yeah, cur- curious. Uh, I've still been watching some of the games. I mean, watching the Apollos play in the snow this past week was kind of cool, uh, just because football in the snow, uh, from a viewing standpoint where it's not snowing, is more fun. It's so, well, football in the snow is always fun snow. to watch. But they they got to get rid of some of these 14-11 games, too, though. They yeah. need 38-35. You need yeah. to be going up and down the field and scoring. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to have the quality of players to do that. Yeah, though that's the question mark, right? XFL, yeah. by the way, Mark Tressman um, got, is the coaching new coach job. in. Yeah. Is that Tampa? No way. Where, where? The, was it Tampa? I forget where it was, but anyway. In the well, XFL. Well, yeah. Tressman? Yeah, man, Tressman's my dude. You like him? Uh, I was a huge fan of him, Because yeah. it's interesting perspective perception of Tressman, I think, on the outside. Yeah. You know, a real smart guy, right? Cerebral smart Very guy. cerebral guy, yeah. Um, it was Tampa, by the way. Well, he, he, you know the whole story when I got cut by the Bears and it was kind of yeah, a yeah. rough scene. He actually pulled me aside after and was like, this isn't the way we're supposed to treat players and things like that and said, if you ever need like a job, if you have a job interview, you need like a recommendation, um, put his name down, he'll talk to anybody that I need. So That's cool. He was, uh, he was really cool in, in my time of exiting. Well, so instead of a job interview, we just say, no, it's part of the job. So no, exactly. Call. No. Well, <laughs> hey, I can, I can reach out to him and have him call in, and that'd be good to talk to him again. We'll have to do that. He's a solid point. dude. Uh, really solid dude. Hey, a couple of locals on the uh, Apollo team, though. You met Reggie Northrup, uh, former star in the First Coast. Yeah, uh, of course, he went to First Coast High School before going to Florida State, so chatted with him a little bit. Uh, he's actually the leader of that defense in that like middle linebacker spot. Uh, Reggie Northrup is, and he's not a very vocal guy when you're interviewing him, but out there you can tell he's the guy who's pumping up his players and getting them going, which was really cool to see, uh, you know, one of our local guys doing that. And then also Bryce Kennedy, who's got a really interesting story out of Paxson, uh, which, you know, is not exactly known for its football. Not it's a, a factory. Not a factory. <laughs> it's a smart school. I mean, that's where, you know, the, the <laughs> kids are taking hard classes there at Paxson. <laughs> brain not roll. to say that they're not at other places, but, but Paxson's not known for that. And so he went to FIU to be in, like to do something in finance. And he was taking out student loans year after year to be able to do that. And then his junior year, he decided to walk on and play football. And then senior year, he got a, a scholarship. Huh. Dang. Yeah. And so that? from there, I mean, this past year, he, he, you know, was with the Jaguars right before the start of the season for maybe a yeah, week. I thought or I so. remembered that. Uh, they had signed him, you know, right before they made those last cuts. So he's here during part of training camp. And, and now he's getting that chance. So it's cool when you see these different stories. You get the reclamation projects, but then you got the late bloomers, the guys who maybe just don't have as many years of football under their belt. And Bryce Kennedy's a, a perfect example of that. That's good. Uh, hey, what's the latest with our high school hoop team, uh, NFEI? Last you know? I checked, they were down six in the third quarter. Okay, playing for uh, a so, state championship. Yeah, playing for a state championship right now uh, is NFEI, the North Florida Educational Institute. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on that. We'll have highlights tonight on uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30 throughout the evening. And then, of course, tomorrow, Paxson, Jackson, and UC all hit the court. All right. Uh, three-headed monster. That's it. Paxson, Jackson. I like my commercial spots. Uh, yeah. Triple-headed. <laughs>
Three, three piece coming at you. Hey, uh, stay in your lane. How yeah. about we do pump the brakes right now and on the other side? I'm sorry, uh, uh, cruise control cruise and control? then pump brakes on the other side. I like it. All right, so cruise control real quick. The White Stripes, badass solo front man Jack White. I can say that, Brent. Yeah, Come on. you can. It's partnering up with... Uh, I, mean, I just told you football players are dumb. So All right, it's partnering up want. with the Pius Institute and Friends of Historic Hamtrak to launch a campaign to save the, the Hamtrak Stadium, which is one of the last existing Negro League baseball stadiums in the U.S. Uh, players such as... Satchel Page, Josh Gibson were some players that played at the yeah. stadium. Uh, so there's just some of the stars associated with it. The plans are for Jack White to work closely with the foundation and whatnot, and they're going to try to get more baseball games and soccer games there. So shout out to Jack White, uh, you know, a very entertaining, very um, gifted front man and everything. That's are, you, pretty cool. are you a Jack White fan? Uh, I can't say I am. Okay. Heard of him, okay. Right. So I think so, that's oh, mission yeah, accomplished. I, am I think the fact that I've heard of him is mission accomplished for Fair me. Fair enough. But hey, when I come back with Pump Your Brakes, me and Brent Martineau owe everybody an apology. Oh, oh dear. Just to let you guys know. Why did I get looped into this? Because you're with us with me, and uh, you said some things, too, that you're going to regret. So we'll find out. Huh. Hopefully one other guy has some regretful things to say about Nick Foles, or he'll regret it later on. He does have regretful things to say. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means, next time it's being 690. Hey, Austin, as we welcome everybody back, last segment, Action Sports Jacks on uh, ESPN 690. Remind me, Austin, again of Go ahead. what we said earlier in the show, what it would be like you telling me or me telling you that Senderic Marks would come on the show and, and you're you're gone. Yeah, so we got into it where – what were we even talking about? Oh, it was about uh, the whole Cameo? Lakers. No. Cameo. It was about the Lakers. Remember we talked about the the young talent with the Lakers when they found out that Magic Johnson tried to ship him away for Anthony Davis and how those young players might have felt a little betrayed and hence why the Lakers aren't playing that good right now. And it would be like if Brent went to send Derek Marks and offered up my job, said I wasn't doing a good job, and then come to find out send Derek didn't accept it. And I still have to come to work every single day with Brent Martineau. Well, it would be a little awkward. Why it would be a little awkward the, because guess who's on the phone right now? Marks. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> what's oh, going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? I missed that laugh, by the way, first of all. Thanks for calling in. Man, no problem, man. I've been, I was sitting here watching y'all live on Twitter. I said, they ain't talking about nothing. Let me call in and see what they're doing. <laughs> uh, you would be very good at this, by the way. Um so come on in anytime you want to come on the show. Give everybody a, an idea what you're up to. Are you still in Dallas, in the Dallas area? Yeah, I'm in the Dallas area, man. I uh, recently sold my house there in Jacks. Really wanted to stay, but I felt like it would have been kind of awkward if I stayed there, you know, for some odd reason. Uh, but right now, you know, just uh, relaxing, enjoying the family, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out how to make a buck if you if you. <laughs> If you really want to be honest. Fair enough. I'll tell you what, Sanderic, it's not going to be on this show, so you better pick something else, man. <laughs> hey, man, that's up to Brent. That's up to Brent. <laughs> hey, do you, you got any good stories, Kels, a good Austin Lane story, anything? I mean, come on. Oh, man. Uh, when Austin wasn't – Austin was there before I got there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I when I came along, you know, I was a new guy. He didn't really talk to me much. I guess he probably thought I was, you know, lame or he really didn't fit this guy with dreads and gold teeth coming in there. I don't think he really enjoyed me that much. Uh, but, you know, we we didn't really get to hang out that much, uh, you know, while, when I first got there. But, uh, you know, I remember Austin, uh, you know, good teammate, good guy. And I, I would like to come back and we could have a debate, you know, see if I could take his job. 
That oh, would be a good way to do right, it. I've got something to ask you. You have the dreads. Do you, <laughs> do you still you still have the dreads, right? Yeah, I still got them. Uh, all right. Well, Austin told us, I think in his rookie year, that he got up to $30,000 of an offer to cut his dreads and shave his head and didn't do it. Would you have done it? It's hard, man. Tell no. him. No, no, See, no. thank you very much. Thank you very much. There's more to the hair than what you just think. More yeah, to it. See, that, that's what I'm telling him. Like, I, I try to tell him, like, listen, when you go through training camp and stuff, you start sweating those locks all a little bit. You have to get them retwisted. It's a lot that goes into it. And especially <laughs> if you spend more than five years with it, man, it becomes a part of you. So cutting exactly. off your dreads is like cutting off a, a part of you. And you can't exactly. put a price on right? that. Yeah. Yeah, like a limb now, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much for proving my point. Yeah, the only way I cut him if my wife makes me. I cut him if she makes me. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, hey, speaking of wife, uh, kids, family, everybody doing well? Everybody's doing great, man. Everybody's doing real good. And how's your golf game? Oh, my golf game is unbelievable right now. Listen, I'm not lying. Like, you know, when I used to say my golf game was getting real good when I was there, but my golf game is unbelievable. The only thing I got to work on is keeping my driver straight. I haven't figured that out. But now I don't even use it. I just come off the tee with an iron. I can still make it on a regulation. I hope to make some putts. Uh, they got some great golf courses in the Dallas area, big golf area, of course. Uh, we got the Players' Championship coming up next week. I know that was a good time when you were here. Yeah, man, I used to love it. I used to love it. Going down, seeing a lot of the guys that were Auburn alumni, uh, just being out there, being around it, seeing all the celebrity golf players. I mean, it was it was just cool, and also get to be, be down there and like mingle with the people. The people actually see you; they get a chance to touch you and talk to you. Uh, just being one of them at that moment uh, was cool for me. I enjoyed it. Uh, we always enjoyed. It. I know you're a fan favorite here in Jacksonville. All right, give us a football take, and then I'll let you go. Should the Jags get Foles? Oh, Should they get Foles? Should they get no? No, you shouldn't get Foles. I mean, what so what you gonna do? You gonna get Foles? You gonna get hurt? Week three, you back to who? <laughs> Makes no sense. All right. So you like the young QB? I like Blake Borders. What do you mean? Oh, you like oh. staying with Blake? Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on. I mean, who who took you from where you was at and got you to where you was? I mean, it just takes time, man. What the guy has? What three, three, two, three head coaches, four, five, ten offensive coordinators, eleven quarterback coaches. I mean, get a man a chance. Well, that's a good take. And pop, by the way, as you know, because I know you've got your pulse on things, not a popular take here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I know it. Oh, I'm ready for it. Hey. I'm ready for the Twitter, the Twitter backlash. But you know, I mean, I'm I I, I believe I believe in Blake. I, uh, you know, I feel like until you give him a, a fair chance, which I know he's had chances, but until you give him the opportunity to have uh, the coaches behind him for a while and him actually having the system. I don't think you could just throw him away. I mean, this would be a guy in a couple of years, if they throw him away, he's going to come out and win for another team. Then it's going to be, oh, well, why couldn't he have done this here? Yeah. You know, so. Yep. I, I agree with you on that, when man. You're in that, yeah. When you're in that situation, it kind of seems like you don't give nothing time, you know? Yeah. And, and, that, and that's what I think hurts you. But it's, it's tough losing for a long time also. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and you get it, too. And I, I don't disagree with you there. I think he actually could be become like Nick Foles three, four years down the road where he comes off the bench for somebody in a system he's been in for a while with weapons around him, and he does very well and takes a team into a playoff run. Maybe not win a Super Bowl, but takes a team in. He's played a lot of football. So, hey, good take on I mean, Blake. Man, he, 
they're a couple minutes away from winning the Super Bowl some <laughs> years ago, you know. So don't just completely throw that away like that never happened, you know. Yeah, we do forget. We have short memories. Uh, but I tell you this. <laughs> You're one of our favorites to remember. Always one of my favorite Jags. We appreciate you checking in. And, and maybe after the takes like that, Brent, uh, maybe Austin. Mind your P's and Q's. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Derek, and you stay where you're at, too. Jackson doesn't want you anymore. No offense to you or anything, man. Keep walk, working on that driver. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, I will, man. Appreciate I'll it, man. I'll see you guys all this season, man. I'm going to try to make it down to a game. All right. You call in any time. We might ask you to come on again. Good talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. And Derek Marks, check it in. Uh, I reached out to him, and he said he'd, he'd jump funny, on for Brent. a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, you didn't funny, see man. that one coming, did didn't you? Didn't see that one coming Be at all. Be careful who you drop names on now. I guess so, man. <laughs> and to, to be fair with Derek, bro, he's obviously a great guy, but I was only there with him for a couple months because I was on the way out when he was coming in. I get so, I, so Honestly, was, I get so confused with yeah. the crossover of oh, that. It's, it's insane. You know, right? I really do. Yeah. It, it, it seems like from 2010 – to 2015 mm-hmm. felt all so together. His, his you know? first year would have been Bradley's year, if I'm not mistaken, and that was when I was on my way out during OTAs. And so. I'll tell you what, Cinderic, real genuinely, I think if you ask the fans, yeah. love Cinderic Marks, and I don't no, know how you sure. can. I mean, the laugh's great, great yeah. personality, yeah. awesome guy, really a good fit in Jacksonville. And what I always loved about his deal is they basically gave him a one-year prove-it deal when he came over from Tennessee, mm-hmm. and he proved, he it, proved man. it. He proved it. He proved it, and he earned it. And, and what I felt bad about is the ACL. I mean, once he tore the ACL, yeah. that was a tough thing to bounce back from for w- Cinderic. One of the best memories I have of him, though, is uh, when he – I forgot what the numbers were, but he had to get, I think – one more sack to, yep. uh, to qualify for a bonus, yes. and he, he ended up getting the he sack and it. had a little money dance and everything. So, that was, so that was cool to see. Quick little story on yep. that. You know the Facebook memories that come up? Yeah. Well, Ty was watching. Ty used like, a couple years ago would go crazy in front of the TV. Like I've seen, Weber's seen the videos, but mm-hmm. we would actually like video of him on a big play. He would be bouncing up and down. Well, that was the play recently that showed up on my nice. Facebook memories. It was it was a Thursday night game, I think. Yeah. And Senderic cashed in with the sack. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he did kind of the money dance and while well, Ty was dancing with him in the living room. Yeah, <laughs> I'll say, man. yeah covering that story on uh, Thanksgiving with his family was awesome, too. We, was good. we went over to his house. And, you know, it's tough to work on Thanksgiving. That day, it was not. That yeah. was fun. That was a fun story. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, good, good dude. Uh, so we appreciate him calling him. All right. Uh, pump the brakes. Stay in your lane. We're going to get out of here soon. We, we owe an apology, Brent. If you remember... Probably the first week of the show, I brought up a story about a Colorado runner who choked out a mountain lion, actually killed it with his bare hands. And Heard about this. And we were talking back and forth about, yep. wow, that dude's a badass. He's tough. Like, holy cow. How do you kill a mountain lion with your hands? Well, I'm sorry, viewers. Uh, Brent, I'm sorry for bringing the story to attention. I'm sorry to the sponsors. Sorry to my boss because that story was a little embellished. Oh, what, no. What, what once started out as a mountain lion has now become a malnourished kitten that weighed 30 pounds. Are you effing kidding me? How how does your face get scratched up so much by a 30-pound cat? If a cat comes at you, dude, just kick it. Game over. Did the cat know karate? Easy, PETA. 30-pound cat is still pretty big. Kuz, my son weighs 40 pounds. I guarantee he ain't going to scratch me in the face. He's, if he comes at me, I'll just nudge him. It's game over. So how this guy got attacked, got put in the ha- hospital with half his face missing, missing fingers and whatnot, is beyond me. Uh, what's this guy's name? I can call him out. Everybody can call him out. Hey, uh, one question about that, though. Hey, Travis Kaufman. Yeah, find out your name, too. I saw, it was, I saw it was a kitten. But does that what they call a, like a, a small mountain lion? It was like a, a baby. Yeah, yeah it was it's a, a baby, baby mountain, mountain lion. lion. All right, but Brent, it's so, thirty pounds. Don't, no, don't defend him. Stop. He's it's a thirty pound cat. Listen, 
No. 30-pound mountain lion probably still has some significant muscles. Stuart, you got to back me up here. It's 30 pounds. I'm on the, the kick side. You could just kick that thing. You could just kick it. It's, it's 30, 30 pounds. pounds. How about the teeth? What do the teeth look like? Kick the teeth. The teeth are going to come to my fist because I'm kicking it. Yeah, you just kick it. You guys are dead wrong. Brent. I am going to put you in a and cage this guy wants after corner, this fight. And this guy wants to corner me in the cage, and he's nervous about a 30-pound mountain lion. After Give this me a fight, break. after you win this fight, and I'm your ice guy, and we win this fight, and I'm 1-0, oh, we, we are going to put you in a cage with a kitten. Can't drive but that no kitten's going to be a mountain lion. Oh, man. You know what? You might as well call up son Derek Marks right now and get him on the show and take my job. Because <laughs> if you're going to be afraid of a 30-pound mountain lion, Brian, we can't be friends. I mean, we can't be close, but we can't even be friends anymore, man. <laughs> Insane. All right. I want to end the show back on the Nick Foles front. <laughs> Segway. Speaking of mountain lions. There was no easy segue there. There's no segue there. How about whatsoever. the Derek Mark Strong take of, uh, of Blake? Fresh. He's on the boat. We got, uh, I forget which one it was, Coos. Dan Orlovsky. Uh, not, not a big fan of Foles or the Jags. Marriage. They've got one, one receiver on their team with 100 catches in his NFL career. And he's coming off a devastating knee injury in Marquise Lee. That's it. They've got one guy. I know they've got a promising young player in D.D. Westbrook and Keelan mm-hmm. Culver. They've got no tight end. They've got a tailback that can't stay healthy and sometimes doesn't want to play. The defense, again, was a little bit elevated because of those turnovers. And so I don't like Foles there because I don't really like anybody there. Uh, just because that team is so deprived so deprived of talent. It's like, why would we expect Nick Foles to go down there and be anything close to what he was when he was surrounded by, by really good players in Philly? Fire. Did I, did, did I just take that personal? Yes, I did. He doesn't like anybody here? Did you see my reaction to that? Start calling me Mr. Big Chest because I start flexing a little bit. We might have to get Orlovsky on now. That might be the next no, one. No, absolutely, and I want to talk to him a little bit. Where's he supposed to go then, Orlovsky? He's supposed to go to Miami because what does Miami got? How do you not say I, – what I don't get is – Listen, the Jags offense, I don't, I've been screaming about their lack of weapons for a long time. 35 but there are some players. You could, D.D. Westbrook, you don't like that as a quarterback? He's got promise. What Leonard is, Fournette, if he goes back to two, you can say at least the if, right? What does Miami have? What does Washington have? And go. Arlovsky and go. Nobody. So Arlovsky. Keep the Jaguars out your mouth. I might have to try to get him on. Hey, oh, well, let's don't get put, him on. Don't run near one of those mountain lion kittens. For Stuart Weber, Coos, Austin Lane, Sid Derek Marks joined us too. I'm Brent Martin. We'll see you on TV. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.